Hello, listener. You are listening to part two of a two-part episode on 1990s Jacob's Ladder. If you missed part one, or if you don't know what Gnosticism is and you're curious about uh, Gnostic philosophy, you can go back and listen to part one. It's the episode immediately preceding this one. If you already know all about Gnosticism, or if you're kind of more interested in just listening to um, our discussion of the film itself, that is this episode. Um, part one is kind of a, a more philosophical discussion about the broader themes of the film. In this episode, we kind of get into the nitty gritty. So without any further ado, part two of Jacob's Ladder. Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut, drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut. Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks, and come and listen in, we're measuring flicks. So when that all when all that Vietnam shit is happening at the beginning of this movie, like and we're getting these beautiful, very fast, like rapid cuts and the sound is cutting in and out. I thought that that was one of now I'm not I'm not a veteran. I've never been in combat. I don't think you've ever been in combat either. Not in actual combat, no. I feel like as a just casual observer at home that this is might be kind of the flavor of what it's like maybe. Mm-hmm. Like getting war in snippets and flashes, especially when they keep utilizing or uh when when uh, Jeffrey Kimball, the cinematographer, keeps utilizing this shot where he cuts back over and over again to uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince, I think Pruitt Taylor Vince is perfectly cast as essentially the other. Later on, we're going to meet him in a bar, and mm-hmm. if we're you, if we're just going to use the standard read that you and I are kind of like falling into, just so, to make it easier to talk about, then he also died. Yeah, he would have had to. But they're now. The, here's the interesting thing: they are having a shared afterlife experience. Yeah. They're both being chased. They both are having the same things occur to them. Yes. Actually, the rest of their platoon is as well. But some of them aren't talking about it. No. Because they're refusing to accept the fact that... Well, they're terrified. Yeah. It's... Wouldn't... I mean, wouldn't you be? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I kind of have been for well, the last j- well, couple yeah, of weeks. Well, yeah. No, I'm like, not taking a subway. Good thing we don't have any in <laughs> northern Michigan. But uh, he... I think Pruitt... So Pruitt Taylor Vince has... I can't remember the name of it, but there's a condition that he has where his eyes don't ever stop moving. Oh, yeah. They um, they like they, they shudder. They jitter back and yeah. forth a little bit. And it's... A lot of times he's cast in roles where that is kind of... Part of a like character a cool, thing. Yeah. And... The other cool thing about it, he's an exceptional actor. Yeah, he's... He, he's really good. You so. said it at the top of the show. I love seeing him pop up, especially in these like 80s and 90s Yeah, films. this is he's his He's usually like a 30-year-y character. Sure, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's not usually like right up front, but he's always great. Yeah. It's like... It's actually like like sometimes Mandy Patinkin yeah. or Danny Aiello. Mm-hmm. Danny Aiello's in fifteen minutes of shit, like Moonstruck. Danny Aiello in fucking Moonstruck, or in the Professional, or like. in the Professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't have to be in it a lot to right. do really great exactly. stuff. And I, I like, I like his casting here specifically because of his eyes, because we're seeing like all these snippets and flashes of like horrors and war. And oh my fucking god, that floppy, gory leg. The mm. landmine prosthetic mm. that was unreal spielberg looked at that and said make a mental note yeah oh my god dude he's <laughs> like oh saving private ryan okay yep. well that's the bar that's the bar there dude when but, that about that, 20 years from now i want to use that again guy trying to walk on a leg that's like like 50 50 cows in the back of the thigh and his yeah. legs just like i i, I said tube of soup earlier that's yeah, not that's even that not wrong even, yeah the way that he like tries to walk on it and it fucking flops listener it's in the early part of the movie. Yeah. If the leg grosses you out, 
That's as bad as it gets. I'm pretty sure. I don't because the rest is all. There's some goopiness, but it's so, yeah, but it's more like more like just kind of like horror movie goopiness, like ghouly it's, it's creatures, environmental and, or atmospheric goopy. Definitely, definitely. Um, that is the and we also that's the have most a girl. Doesn't she get the thing in the or does it comes that, out her mouth? That was pretty that's wiggity, pretty gnarly. But if you've if you're a fan of tentacle porn, listeners, yeah, nothing I mean, you haven't nothing you haven't seen before. That was pretty wild, actually. Yeah, that, when that shit fucking pops that out her mouth, you're like. Rowdy, rowdy dude. It's it's that is very Cronenbergy. That yeah. is very Naked Lunch. Yep. Um, which that novel came out. So I'm wondering if that that novel influenced any of these visuals at all. Because oh that, yeah, because Burroughs wrote them like 50s or 60s. I think that movie was out at this point too. Because I think oh the yeah, like Naked eight, Lunch is 80s. Is, yeah, because Peter Weller is it's fairly young in it. Young, yeah. And uh, who's Bilbo Baggins? The guy who plays Bilbo Ian Mc Ian Mc Ian Mc Nope. No. Hold on. It's one of them. Anyway, Bilbo Baggins is young in it actor. too. He's yeah, the guy who the actor who plays. Yes, he died recently. He was an alien. Did he really? Yeah. Wait, which guy are we talking? About? Which Bilbo? The Bilbo from the Fellowship movie. I feel like I'm gonna not... take a long holiday. In fact, I you know I don't think I should yep. return Ian that Holm. guy. Ian Holm. He d- did pass recently. Yeah. that's a shame. Yeah. I did not know that. He was fantastic. He was also in The Fifth Element. Yes, he was. Yeah. He's good in that movie. <laughs> He's good in this movie. Um, Ian Holm isn't in this movie. Wait, what movie was he in? Why did we were talking about Ian? I Holm? don't remember now. It's fine. We're gonna move on. Um, <laughs> the stunt explosions in that first Vietnam like war scene, yeah. amazing. This movie, this to me, there's a next month. Uh, spoilers, or whatever. The next theme we're doing. <laughs> the next theme we're doing is war films for for August. We're obvious, for fun. Yeah, we're gonna dump a bunch of movies right now, but we're gonna the next ones we're getting to are all war flicks. So we recall we called it the Guns of August after mm-hmm. a famous um, novel from I think World War One or about World War One. Um, but this one really catches the the like you know they say war is hell, mm-hmm. but a lot of times the movies we see it's like they're kind of romantic. Yeah, war is like, like a music video with a lot yeah. of American flags in it. You know, or yeah. like. Both my sleeves Ooh, were blown off. Heroic by, and yeah. yeah, like is John Wayne charging the he, hill and yeah, shit. like yeah. there's the lone man on the ridge with a flag wrapped around his forehead. You know, or you have like Das Boot or the beginning of this movie or Saving Private Ryan. Like, right, there are certain movies or Fury that really catch the feel of like the, there are movies that are like war is war is glorious. I prefer the movies that are like. War is the single most fucked thing that human beings engage in, and we should stop it as quickly mm-hmm. as we can. And this is one of those. We're gonna movies. show you some valor, and we're gonna show you what it means to be heroic, and what it means to, you know, prevent horrific things from happening. But we're also gonna show you the, the horror that it is. The balancing act for me, where a movie goes one way or the other, is is the, is a, a specific note, which is here we'll show you heroism and we'll show you bravery. But we won't show you glory because there's no such thing as glory anymore. Right, yeah. You know, like, here, these men are brave. What they're doing is brave. And what they, well, that guy saving that other guy, that's heroic. And the other thing that I think you need to catch if you really want to make a war movie that rings is senselessness and pointlessness and waste. Yeah. The one thing you read again and again and again when you read, like, World War II, like, when you read With the Old Breed by E.B. Sledge or when you read The Guns of August or, or like any of a, any war memoir from World War One and Two, the thing that they all say 
is there's a moment in the war when they look around at this like charnel house of 18 year old kids dead with their heads blown off and their arms missing and their guts hanging out and their spines shot up through their head through their chests is all of these people could have been something but instead Mm -hmm. they're just dead bodies somewhere because of this fucking war that, on both sides. On both sides. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The Japanese in, in like the South Pacific said this in almost all of the war memoirs. Have you ever read, um, ah, shit, it's called like Fallen Blossoms or mm-hmm. something. There's this beautiful um, collection of letters from kamikaze pilots. Oh, my God. And like all, there's like a couple of super patriots in there who are like, I'm glad to be doing this. But most of them are... And their culture is different, so they're they're not like I'm going to run away from this. I'm not doing this, but all almost all of them are regretful that their lives are about to be thrown away. Right? They're like, this is so pointless. Like now, I, I my family's not going to have me around, and like I they, usually they're writing to their families, and they're like, I love you. I wish I was going to be around. I'll never like, learn Kenji. That's... Yeah, I'll never meet my son or whatever. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a lot of that, and like not many war movies. T- get that feeling across a lot of war movies you get across like when they took it they took the ridge what the war memoirs the books seem to get across is we took the ridge and it didn't fucking matter at all and half my friends were dead afterwards this movie jacob's ladder catches that don't ever watch all of band of brothers in one day (laughs) (laughs) band of brothers is another really good one example of of what we're talking about Yeah. yeah it a war movie should never leave you feeling good. Nope, that sure doesn't. There's one exception, and it's Inglorious Bastards. Well, that's, that's a fucking alternate, it. alternate reality. <laughs> we kill Hitler and burn down the fucking theater. As so. soon as I said it, I was like, I mean, but Inglorious well, Bastards is that's a good time. Oh, oh, it's delicious. Um, so. So this basically we are put in hell in Vietnam whole unit some shits going on some enemy spoilers we find out it's another US Army unit that's everybody in the opening scene maybe is on an experimental psychotropic drug administered by the US government to try and make super soldiers. I th- it just made them hyper aggressive and they all started killing. They e- killed each other. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the people that they tested it on all killed each other. So they all died for nothing. They died as a failed Mengele esque chemical experiment perpetrated by the U.S. government. I fucking love this movie, dude. We don't even find that out until like one hour and 59 minutes like in the like halfway through the final reel yeah we're like it's like cigarette burn and they're like <laughs> yeah. oh and by the way here's what happened and you're like, like what holy the shit? shit is that really what ha- that's yeah. the whole point and then like it makes sense yeah because now you're yeah, like because you get exposition and then the next thing is him going home home air quotes oh my Fuck. god dude so I, I love this transition because war, this war is hell thing. He turns around. We see like the moment when he gets he turns around and sees something. He's like, oh, and he gets a shocked face and then he wakes up on a subway. He doesn't just wake up on a subway, Carl. We see the event. We see the moment of his death, I think. When the when he gets when stabbed. Because he, yeah. like, he, he gets stabbed and he goes away. Yeah. Like this out of body experience, and he comes back. And when we get the flashes of Vietnam spattered throughout the movie, which I think it, one way to watch this movie would be that he's surfacing in the real. Like, uh, right. It's like for 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 Gnostics or for the the Matrix or for certain occultists or for Grant Morrison, it's those weird moments of drug experiences or DMT trips or Gnostic meditation, which I have been practicing since I was seventeen. So it's these moments where you click into that hyper reality you know and you're like 
you wake up and you're like, oh, well, it's the high res version of where I just was. And wow. then you, it, but you can only stay there for like a second, like the briefest periods of time, unless you take DMT or right. some other thing. I think that's that. He's popping in and we're seeing the process of his death. And then he fades away again back into this structure, this uh, fabricated reality where he processes, where he's processing his death. There's other ways to read this movie outside of Gnosticism, where if you just think of it as the Bardo state of the afterlife, mm-hmm. this is where he his they mentioned soul, limbo at some point. Well, the Eckhart yeah. Tolle quote kind of lays out the idea Very of much. stripping away earthly attachments so that your soul can be prepared for right, nirvana. Right, because otherwise you're just going to be here. Right, until yeah, you're you, willing to say goodbye to all that shit. And it's strongly suggested that that's what hell is. Yeah. Which is kind of a fucking kind of amazing fuck, right? idea, yeah. man. You know, it's another idea that yeah, Neil Gaiman introduces in volume four of his Sandman mm-hmm. series. As, as Satan or Lucifer says to Morpheus, I never made one, any of them do anything. And I don't make them come here. When they die, no, they come, they here, come by here by choice. He has yeah. to forcibly kick some people out. I love it. Anyway, read Sandman. It's fucking yep. great. But I love this. So we see the moment of his death, and then he wakes up on a train. He wakes up on a train, man. He wakes up in medias res, in transit. Mm-hmm. He's being taken to his He's station. Being what other movie talks has trains and stations as a central motif? Well, the Matrix. The, especially the second one. A spe- a special, well, maybe too much. Yeah, maybe too much in the second one. a lot of time waiting, a, waiting on a train, on a train. <laughs> In between trains. Hey, let's do a shot where we put the camera on a stick and then he runs off the frame and then he's going to run back on from the other mm-hmm. side. And you're like, that was cool, the, like the first one. Yeah. But then you did it more. We did more of it. You made That's another movie That's all what the too. second movie was, was like, hey, more, faster, more intensity. It's yeah. like George Lucas <laughs> fucking directed George it. Lucas presents the Wachowskis God Matrix damn. 2. All right, let's talk really quick. You going to watch the fourth one? It's coming out. It's got the original cast. I have to. Fucking there for I'll it. never watch two and three again, but I'll watch the first one and I'll watch. I can't fucking stand. I'm gonna them. do it. I'm gonna do it too. You're gonna do the when okay. I watch four. I'll watch the Animatrix. Fuck yeah. When when we watch four together, okay, we're gonna do it. We're gonna watch one and we're gonna be blown away by that movie. Yeah. And then we're gonna watch two and three, kind of stoned. Fair. And then we're gonna go and see four. Perfect. And then we'll watch the Animatrix afterwards. It's just a little. Well, Susan. that is the Animatrix is movie, on man. its own, just fucking brilliant. Absolutely. I, I think we should watch it as, a, let's call it like a compilation film or something, rather yeah. than a series of shorts, because they do kind of interact a little, I, any excuse to watch The Animatrix. Yeah. It's an outstanding movie. Um, so he pops onto this train to the afterlife, the train um, the train station of Purgatory, mm-hmm. which I say maybe, or Hell, which I think is more likely. And I think it's really interesting, because when he opens his eyes, he looks over and sees that sign. And the first thing he sees on the wall in this train is hell that's what your life can be on drugs yeah and when you watch this movie for the first time that means nothing at all nope. you look at that sign and you're like oh that's kind of funny because they were smoking weed mm-hmm. it, the movie almost that's the connection i made like oh he was having a dream about getting all ripped in vietnam and bad things happen because they smoked the drugs and now there's a drug reference and this on is the train. this is why i consider this movie to be like it remember we talked about hereditary and hereditary i think is literally like a piece of magic yeah, on film it's a, it's a hyper sigil yep this I'm movie fully convinced completely right yeah have you watched it recently uh we watched it about a couple months ago fuck dude i'm on watch number four now bud <laughs> i went from hate that movie to i'll watch it whenever you say go 
Oh, you want to watch Hereditary? Um, Fine. It's I'm halfway through it now, but as soon as it's done, yeah, we'll just we'll roll it again. Because I, I don't want to start over. I'm going to finish it and then we can sure. watch you, it you again. Sure. You can't stop it halfway through because you're interrupting the magical ritual exactly. that it is. Don't do that. I ever because it'll fuck your dreams up. But I one of the things I love about this moment and this movie is the movie knows that on first watch you're going to need an explanation to make some of it make sense. Mm-hmm. So they give you a little surface detail. The soldiers were smoking weed. Hell, that's what your life can be on drugs. Oh my god how funny but then when you go deeper the army literally drugged him with a psychoactive substance that created possibly this afterlife yeah which is literally hell the movie explains itself in a billboard on a subway oh, train right. the first thing our, it's our the first character sees yes first thing jacob he sees. opens his eyes and is given the answers yeah. which anyway i lo- the other thing i love is he's a postman Reading Camus in this Kafka-esque hellscape initially, and he's reading The Stranger. And have you ever read The Stranger? I haven't, and it's on my list now because it's bleak. I do that thing where I read all the books that people are reading in movies, sure, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. can understand the reference that was being made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. I um, want to sound smart on a movie podcast, but it's heavy and yeah. very bleak and very nihilistic, and it is like it's. It's very content. It's a super contentious novel because it has to do. One of the things that's explored in it is casual murder and the the sort of the moralism. The uh, is there moralism or a moralistic justification for casual murder? Is, Interesting for a, a vet to be reading that. Particular yeah, it's kind piece. of weird. It's very fitting for like that character to be reading that, but sure. it, but it also has that sort of like. And also considering he's lost his son at that point as well. Right. It's it's essentially like very bleak nihilism about like meaning like meaninglessness and it also maybe has i can't it's been a long i read it in college but it maybe also kind of has hints of there aren't any consequences to this world because this world nothing matters real right. kind of thing um i think the set and lighting especially when he's in that um that subway station are just fucking amazing it is some of the moodiest it's it's moody. It's grim. Somehow, I, they're I don't think they're using like um like Vaseline lenses or anything no. like that. But it it's feels... whatever they're using. It actually, my note about the subway in particular and the subway car is it immediately gave me anxiety. Yes, the way it's lit, the way it's shot, the way it, the the amount of space between characters. It's the, every everything about it just gave me immediately. I was full of anxiety yes the the angles that they choose to shoot stuff mm-hmm. from how someone is turned and looking at him yes is slightly off and off-putting there's a lot of like performance natural yeah like the like uh, asking what time at what station we're at and right. then getting silence and like there's something about being the only two people on a train car and they're staring at you without well, you're taking blinking. this thing that would normally be awkward but adding this slight level of things being not quite right which is which is gnosis gnosis yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so I, there's there's like a smeary quality to it that reminded me a lot of blade runner the original yeah like this world is so dark like it's so dark and the lighting is almost like neo-noirish mm-hmm. you know criterion channel neo-noir 23 films you got to get on there listener chinatown fucking body oh heat fucking God. brick watch away dude neo-noir great collection um all when he when he gets dropped off at the station 
and the first place he tries to go is up. You know, like mm-hmm. if this is the Bardo state, this is <laughs> but the it's locked, buddy. Heaven is locked. Yeah. Why is heaven locked? Danny Aiello is gonna tell us. You gotta continue walking through the tunnel. Oh my god, bro. Have you okay, so Bird and I watched this show recently called Channel Zero. Channel Zero season two about the haunted house. They say essentially the channel Channel Zero I just I was just gonna make a use a quote, but now I realize that Channel Zero season two is all about narcissism. Oh as well. wow. And they go into a haunted house and they say the only way out is through, right? So you can't turn back and trust me when I say Channel Zero makes this haunted house pretty think fucking scary. Now. Dude, the 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 rooms in this haunted house are horrifying, but you have to keep going, right? So you're pushing yourself through this and you confront like the worst most things that most have most fucked you up in your life. And when you go out the other side, you go home, you go back to your house, you go and you go back to sleep and then the girl wakes up the next day and she comes downstairs and her dead dad is alive and she realizes that she has not left the house. She's just walked into she what she thinks another room in the she thinks it's another room in the house, but it's the whole town. It's a it's one division. Fucking shit. So she wakes up and like we I won't get into it more, but Channel Zero is brilliant. But there's that same quote in WandaVision: "The only way out is through Jacob's ladder. He can't go up because he still has things to confront." This is a Gnostic idea, and it's fucking everywhere, Carl. Do you see why I've been obsessed with this oh idea? Oh my god! So Jacob's ladder, he can't go up because he still has things to confront, and the only way out is through. So down he goes down this tunnel, dude. It's unreal. And then we get the like. The disorienting, like, which track is this fucking train going to go down? Which one is it on? Because he the almost pers- gets nailed by a almost train. Almost gets tagged by this train and looks up just in time to see, like, the faces of the damned. Dude, The just yes. the, like, the high strangeness, just the weird elements. Yeah. A little s- dark city strange, man. Like- yes. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect comparison. It's got that, that dark city vibe, but it also has some of that, like... um uh, 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 like the machinist, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, there's a lot of, uh, the machinist stole a lot of atmosphere from this flick. The machinist is like this directed by Hitchcock. Yeah. Like with pretty less much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love that. I, I said the jacket too. I mean, there's a lot of season one, this, season one movie, Season one, there's a lot of the mouth of madness in this. There's this is yeah, this is like you could this could be this month could probably just have been called like you know March Madness in June in June through August. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know what? There's there's one thing that always always makes me upset, and American Horror Story does it in almost all their intros, and it's when someone is like kind of standing still, but their heads all going all fucking wiggity. It makes me so upset to see what makes me um is the the remake of the house on haunted hill had a bunch of that shit you can't overuse it yeah this movie doesn't no it's trompy when it's used this way yes yeah i thought they did a very effective job especially because a lot of the like shaky stuff happens through the rear window of Mm -hmm. a car or the or the um just a tiny bit not much you're good um it's almost always through through glass or through a window or happening under a doorway or in some liminal space where actually usually it's happening either in an exit or a mode of transportation to discourage those things. Those places that you can get out. 
a car. A car will take you somewhere. But they're full of monsters. A doorway will get you out of this party. But there's a leather daddy with his Or they're exploding. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) One or the other, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's like he could have been reading fucking Sartre's No Exit, you know, We Clos. Um, I love his return because we find like he almost gets smoked by a train Mm -hmm. and this is this is one of the things that freaks me out about this idea of simulation theory or even the gnostic idea which is he's woken up on a train if the way i'm reading this movie is right then he just woke up with a full memory of a life after vietnam which includes meeting jezebel which includes living with jezebel which includes getting this chiropractor everything between that moment and him waking up on the train has been filled dropped into his yeah. mind and he has no idea we just started doing this podcast now they just turned the simulation on. it could what's your backstory like, bing, like that ding could have been the start of the simulation we would have no fucking clue that stuff i love this man this is my this is why i picked four movies that are all cerebral psychological horrors recall, i love recall recall, recall, recall. <laughs> i love poking like the deep upset parts of my brain like just to make them worse you know <laughs> you like, want to go to mars but you're too old yeah oh. <laughs> dude we should watch total recall that movie's really bloody it is unbelievably yeah. oh, that's, bloody that's paul verhoeven for you man robocop starship oh Troopers, my god dude total recall and showgirls <laughs> yeah showgirls was also fairly bloody um oh. sorry um i love so he gets home to jezebel and she's like i rearranged the room you know like mm-hmm. the, see right because he comes home and it's dark and he nails the coffee table or whatever yeah he stub he like stubs so his, what the fuck yeah he's like what? and he looks down and she's like i rearranged the room but that could also be explaining a room that he's never seen before yeah and he's a he's still a simul- he seems kind of groggy like he's maybe, assimilating he's coming online his brain is filling in the details he's turning the gun into a or he's turning the and, banana into and a that gun. could have been a moment to have but no it's explained by the Observer, they've changed something yeah. in the parlance of the Wachowski's oh. brilliant films. Um, I love their back and forth because outside of all of the really cool, heady, like fuck you up kind of ideas, this is also just a really I'm gonna say I will say competent, but what I mean is masterful, you know. But like, it's not just wild ideas and crazy visions, this is workmanship too. Mm-hmm. This thing is put together well and it's brilliantly written i love how chill or how natural the dialogue is um uh you know what uh, why are you so late uh he was you know bill was sick he's always sick so i worked i got some overtime you look terrible thanks jumps in the shower yeah she jumps in the shower there's there's just these the way that information is presented it never feels like exposition even though almost everything is exposition right and I, I mean, there's and there's little stuff in here too, like um, finding out that he is that the one the is that the one that you lost before the or that died before the right. war, you know? Yeah. Because all these photographs have been well, they his ex wife sent him the pack of photographs and he's looking through them and he f- comes across the one that had died, yeah, and which sets him off. It's kind of interesting because he the all these photos. His light, these and these are like memories. These are being his, uploaded in a way. What I was thinking was like, this is his life, mm-hmm. flat flashing one photo at a time yeah. before his eyes. But it's him laying on a bed in a simulation or in a the the Bardo state, right? Um, 
God, like the, his, the performances are so natural, but but also like watching him, watching Tim Robbins, like looking through pictures, looking through pictures, sees the picture of Macaulay Culkin, and starts talking to it a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of wipes it off. Like, and the fucked up thing about wiping it off is like there's nothing on the picture. No, he's just. I was wondering if it was kind of like that lady, lady Macbeth. Like, uh, out damn spot out, you can't get the can't get the blood because out because he the last time he saw that kid his son was bathed covered blood. in blood and it's like almost like he's like trying to wipe blood oh off the God. picture it's beautiful and then he breaks and starts yeah. to cry and the way that and her reaction and response and solution to that yes. is the most fucked up thing yes you don't fucking do that shit man. well you do if you're an archon you do because why well, yeah fuck Oh, because he's because oh, he he's just made everything like dude. woogie like two two weeks of my life yeah. has just been that woogie feeling where yeah. i'm like because i'm outside of like the podcast and the movie as part of working on the album i'm doing like a huge huge yeah. amount of like meditating and like research into gnosticism and doing like some kind of like low grade kind of like there's some there's some like ritual stuff that I'm interested to try, but I yeah. want more background before I dive into it. But yeah. I've been kind of doing some. Lo- Don't want to ring that bell without knowing the tone it's gonna yeah, make. Yeah, you kind of want to like at least get some recordings like yeah. of the garage <laughs> years before you like strike the gong. But um, but yeah, man, like it's been a couple weeks of me like giving myself the heebie-jeebies yeah. as I like explore this this kind of like thought experiment, which is I really am digging. But um, throwing the pictures in the incinerator like. We should let's read a Danny Aiello quote because sure. his quote about Eckhart Tolle, Tolle Eckhart. He just calls him brother Eckhart. I don't know. Is it Tolle or Tolle? I think it, I don't know. I think it's Eckhart Tolle. Tolle? Yeah. I would, I would That's be what I'm gonna offering say. A guess. That's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Eckhart Tolle. The this quote. This is the thing about Jacob's Ladder. This quote comes in like the last thirty minutes or twenty minutes. And it, it is kind of like the key to the whole film. This is mm-hmm. why I say watch it like two, three times. It, and it'll bear watching more than once. You're sure going to yeah. enjoy it again. Um, Danny Aiello, and set aside for a moment that this is one of the most incredible performances we've seen this season so far. It's just this moment when he's adjusting a fully broken... Um, he can barely same. walk. He can't stand up. Right, he is like, his back is all but broken. They had, yeah, they had him like fully in traction with his feet up, and he's like literally like strapped and trapped and chained. You know, they've got like the the leg up in the sling and the arm in the with the pins and there's wires going here and there. The archons were those archons too? The demon doctors? Well, what were those man? Oh, the, oh my God! That yeah, that would be those would be archons. Or or if this we just want to talk about it as the Bardo state, those would be Cenobites. Now here's the actually Danny Aiello tells us what they are. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he says uh, the physicality of the chiropractic. It also gives him something to do, mm-hmm. which I love. It, it gives business. It gives you business. Um, I'm having a little bit of business. I love his speech on death. He says, "If you're dying." And you're still holding on, which, I mean, if you read the movie that way, that's what's happening. It's exactly what's He's happening. dying. We see, oh my God, dude, the shot where the helicopter gets shot down, and he's like on his back in the helicopter staring up at the ceiling spinning with the alarms going off, and his eyes are wide, and he's just so shocked. Tim Robbins, for me, catches that like meaning moment of meaninglessness. Mm-hmm. That's so hard to look at, because you're like... You've come to this like this guy. Yeah, you've come to sort of Id- like this guy and you're invested in him trying to sort out his life in the final moments of his life. He's you- kind of a wet rag, but it, I don't 
mind it so much. He's a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> which makes it... He's not heroic or in the... Yeah, that's... If it, isn't that funny that in a movie, if someone is just normal, they come across as like a wet rag? Yeah. You're like... Because he's not Captain America, Right, you know? yeah. Like, he's not Chris Evans with ripped abs and like making that, heroic speeches or running into a burning building. Yes. And that to me is what like breaks my heart is what, like, okay, look, if it's Captain America going down and he's like, hey, it's for the country, you know? And you know, he dies and you're like, oh my God, a war hero dead. But when... When it's Jacob, when it's Tim Robbins on his back, and he looks like a scared boy. Like a he scared is, kid. He's yeah. so scared, because that's what he is. Mm-hmm. He is so terrified, and he's covered in blood, and he's so pale, and he think, looks like he's going to throw up, and everyone on the helicopter is going to die because it's crashing. And you're like, oh, it's so pointless that it makes yeah. it... It's, it's Camus the Stranger. It's full-on nihilism. You're like, this is peak human misery... And what makes it worse is it doesn't mean a fucking thing. <laughs> right. You know, and you're like, Jesus. And then you are truly struck by that's hell because the next place he goes when we click back over is hell. Literally hell. It's amazing. This is an amazing movie. All right. So Danny Aiello says, if you're dying and you're still holding on, you see demons ripping your life away from you. If you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from this earth it's all a matter of how you look at it so don't worry okay that's incredible what does it mean when you roll over it means we crack two hours okay i wasn't sure if that we're good are we re- we're not re-recording nope, over other goes, things already it go, hell no I man i got nervous i'm no, like oh god i hope we didn't lose it goes like. <laughs> it goes to 206 it goes to oh it goes to two oh six and then it clicks over and we have done that many a times. This yep. this memory card still got eight fifty six on it, so we'll, we'll just make it through this. Yeah, part. right. <laughs> um, but that's that's important, listener. Think about that because that kind of unlocks the rest of the movie. If you're there's this other line, the part of you that suffers in hell. Actually, that's the before the bit that I just mm-hmm. read. This is another part of that quote. As he says, the part of the part of you that suffers in hell is the part that still clings to life. So if you're dying and you're still holding on, you see demons ripping your life away from you. So he, this is the, exactly this is Jacob's language. Yeah. But if you've made your peace, if you're ready to go, if you. And this is more of like Eastern idea rather than like a specifically Gnostic one. But if you have made your peace and you have removed your attachments, Buddhist, if you've removed your attachments, if you've recognized Gnostic, if you've recognized the fallacy of this world and it's it's falseness and you no longer choose to cling or linger here, you can you can essentially purify away what Grant Morrison calls the his time suit or his meat suit. The meat suit, yeah. The meat suit, the body through which you navigate time. If you are finally ready to cast that away, then the elements of suffering that deteriorate and dissolve your body and take your memories from you as you age and you know your brain can't your neurons cease firing and you're losing your childhood and you can't remember your wife's face. That can be horrifying if you want to stay, but if you're ready to go, then it's stripping away. It's it's Wanda just letting her family fade away so mm-hmm. that she can rejoin the real world. The Gnostic idea or the Bardo state idea would be you if you've come to a, pe- a place of peace, you can let all those things fade and go and fall, fall into what I, I think I called it the Polom, the per, uh Palerma at the beginning Palerma, the, the divine yeah. fullness of light the bliss of nothingness or did the Buddhists well, call Abraxas it Nirvana is, 
lost his mind and slumbers we, in. <laughs> we rejoin Abraxas or we wake up. Or if you believe the Graham Morrison idea, essentially when our time in time is done, we our consciousness either he what he believed for a long time i don't know if he still does he kind of has shifted his ideas slightly Mm -hmm. but at the time that i was introduced to this idea he believed that we would wake up again as one of these hyperorganisms outside of time having now grown and developed because we spent some time in time and accrued experience and knowledge unless you voted for trump (laughs) (laughs) and then you go to hell (laughs) but um but you know like i i think that that's kind of a kind of an interesting idea which is you the only way that you become different is you spend some time in time and what you accrue there is a human lifetime's worth of knowledge and experience you take that back out into this alternate dimension or into this hyperorganism and this hyperorganism is a collection of all human experience there's other cool ideas that are not original to me that all humans are the same human mm-hmm. because if time is mutable then we can just Dude, live that in was infinity the, of lives yeah, that was a once. philosophy that i was con- not considering but thinking on pretty hard um early part of the pandemic when i was at home by myself watching all of the David Copperfield specials in order on YouTube um, was <laughs> what because well, right and trying to learn magic. I'm like, well, you know, if if at some point I will be David Copperfield, then I'll know how to do that. And that got me on the thought of, well, at some point we are we will all be experiencing each life that's ever existed and ever will exist because if there's infinite time and space, like that could be a very plausible. There's a cool. Thing. There's a cool, we are all the one. It might be Arthur C. Clarke again, or probably because he's brilliant. Might, that might be just the only name that I can think of right now that has stuff to do with space, and I know it's not Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> but uh, there's another great quote: um, "Humankind, because there, people have been trying to deal with human sentience and and self awareness forever for the length." Yeah, of, well, it's the whole thing of like, well, I know I'm real because because I have thought and I'm self aware, but from your perspective, I'm just a thing saying that you have no. There's no, there's nothing I can do to prove to you that that's true. Right, and that's the NPC idea yeah. or the NPC theory of simulation theory, which is you can say the same thing back. Well, of course you're real because you are self-aware and you know, but, but I don't know that. Because we can't see into each other's heads, right? Like I'm sitting here right now, and I'm I know I'm self-aware, but that could just be something that I was programmed to say. Mm-hmm. We could be two NPCs talking and killing time to generate content for the player to hear later. Exactly. Like that could be the depth of the simulation, and it, that way lies madness. You know, like you know fucking. You shit. can only think about this that's stuff the put, for like that's so the put long. the roach down kind of <laughs> yeah. moment where you're like, I need to step away. Like that's the third edible was a mistake yeah. moment where you're like, oh no, <laughs> switching to booze, guys. Yes, I think well. No, fuck it, man. I've said everything else. I might as well say this too. So a lot of a lot of the evidence for Gnosticism comes from the the Christian Bible, right? Mm-hmm. But are you familiar with a book called The Holy Mushroom and the Cross? By oh, my. You've mentioned it before. I have. Like, I do all the time. John Marco Allegro wrote this book where he and this dude was a biblical scholar who was part of the Catholic Church. I believe he was like a bishop or something like that. He like was doing his research in the Vatican and he studied the Bible and his conclusion that the conclusion that he came to was that early Christianity, and actually, very interestingly, there's been archaeological evidence this is, that has backed this up recently. They found cannabis and other psychoactive substances at um, like Christian ritual sites, essentially like on an altar in a cup kind of thing. Um, so his conclusion was that early Christianity was a mushroom cult. And there's evidence for this, he says, throughout the Bible. There's a phenomenal book. You should all read it. Um, basically says like, okay, 
the you know god speaks through the burning bush which a lot of people joe rogan was the guy who turned me on to this so he says a lot of this stuff on his podcast then you go read john marco allegro's book and there's a lot more but like the acacia bush that burns the acacia bush has one of the highest concentrations of dmt of any plant on earth so you burn this plant that's rich with dmt and you're able to communicate with god that seems kind of interesting um the word for Christ or Jesus, when you trace it back to its original roots, it's an ancient Sumerian series of words that means the semen of God on the cap of a mushroom. So there's there's tons of evidence throughout here or throughout the Bible that wow. and then the idea is that all of these texts are written, all of the biblical texts, which are originally written in Greek and Hebrew, are written allegorically to hide the drug element of the early Christian cult from the Romans who were trying to exterminate Christianity at that time in history. So they write it all as allegory to hide their rituals, which is classic in occult texts. For example, Aleister Crowley's works and most of the works that the Golden, the, the Order of the Golden Dawn are working off of are all written allegorically. A lot of people, you know, everyone knows there's the cup and the, um, like the cup and the dagger, right? Yeah. The cup and the knife, everywhere, the cup and the wand. And there's always, when you watch these old like hammer films or whatever, there's always the moment where there's like the virgin on the altar and there's the chalice and then they stab the dagger into it or whatever. All of that is allegorical. So you have to decode occult texts. Occult means hidden. So that's why there's adepts. That's why there's people who teach occult rituals. Right. So the cup and chalice, that's all a metaphor for sex magic. If you read the ritual, it's like the woman comes forth bearing the chalice, like your head priestess or whatever, right? And then the man comes forth with either wand or sword or dagger or some phallic object, and then they combine the two. And the the ritual that they're describing, they're writing around the edges of sex magic. Right. So you're not killing a woman, you're having sex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Crowley gets deep into this if you read, like, uh, you know, the Book of the Law or a Book of Lies or any of... Crowley's amazing, actually. He's kind of dense, but, like, when you read his stuff, he's writing allegorically, he's writing around the edges because at that time when he's writing, which is, like, the I think 20s and 30s, like, the early 1900s, I think he died, but Crowley is writing really involved kind of i mean we don't have to get into like some of the details but like fairly kind of uh, fairly edgy sex magic rituals during a time when that sort of behavior would land you in prison right so he hides his true his secrets in his these magical texts by writing around them using metaphor because otherwise the man the, yeah if the you're power, being literal the, you're like well you can't do that yeah, that's illegal the power that the powers that be the law the government will come in and arrest him right well, in ancient Christian times, if you write about these mushroom drug rituals that you do to commune with higher powers on different planes of reality, well, then you get executed and you get murdered. Right. And so you write it allegorically. That was John Marco Allegro's idea. So the Gnostics did the same thing as they looked at the Bible and they're like, OK, there must be some there. We think there's hidden truths in here. My favorite example is Genesis. So in Genesis, there's actually three different creation myths in Genesis. If you go back and read it. God creates the world multiple times. So a lot of people believe that this is just because the Bible was compiled from a bunch of different texts and sources. So this is three different creation myths that they've just mishmathed together. The Gnostics believe that the reason there are three creation myths in there is because the compilers of the Bible were trying to warn future generations of Christians that the, the air quotes one true God was actually not the divine being that we thought he was. For example... God 
speaks in pluralities in Genesis. Mm -hmm. He says, we, who are we, who are these other beings? He jealously guards his um, all-encompassing knowledge and eternal life, saying, for example, if Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the, you know, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they'll become as we are. Who who is we? we? Exactly. And also, what does that mean? If Adam and Eve consume, if they understand, not if they become knowledgeable and wise and understand the difference between good and evil, they will become as gods. Is that what you're saying? Why are you trying so hard to stop that? Why they've right. he's literally imprisoned them in a garden. Think of it this way: this is the first Matrix. It's too nice, and so he has to kick them out of the nice place so that they don't. He has to introduce suffering because they won't stay here. This is the first Matrix that they talk about. In the, This is literally, by the way, this is what informs that bit of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. The Garden of Eden was the first prison, according to the Gnostics, and it was too idyllic, and man realized that he needed to escape, so he started trying to attain knowledge. Think of knowledge, Sophia, the mind of God. If you consume that, you become as God. So anyway, there's, there's that. He lies to Adam and Eve. God lies to them. He is not omnipotent in in Genesis. He has to call and ask them to come out of hiding. It's like, where are you guys? Where are you at? That doesn't sound like the omnipotent right, God at the right. very beginning of Genesis. So there's that. Like that's one of the big examples. Um, Genesis is probably the most common one, but the Gnostics went through the Bible the same way that John Marco Allegro did, and pulled ideas and allegorical concepts out along occult lines to come up with essentially. Yeah, dude, it's. It's a fucking deep well, and it's it's oh god. Well, the crazy thing about that is if you're if you're pulling if if you're speaking an allegory, or you're making um, you could kind of find whatever you want there. Yeah, and well, that's and that's which is kind of the danger of it <laughs> of writing that way is a thousand years later if there are no uh, teachers left to right. guide you. Um, the danger would be that you could sort of put your own thing on that. You can explain anything if it's that vague. Right. The the chalice could be an actual chalice or a woman's vagina, or it could be. And that's what we're. Well, that's right. what you kind of see though is when you see like movies that have ritual magic in it. Oftentimes, right. it's literally like chalice and dagger. Right. You know, and you're like, well. No, guys. I mean that that is like those are the the accoutrement. Right. That's what chaos magic is all about. Is chaos magic says you can throw aside like fucking take your cape off, put your cup right. in the corner. <laughs> you don't need a dagger. It's like you don't need anything more than the world around you in your own mind, and you can use these certain set of actions and or substances and or like um, set of actions, and you will generate certain. Uh, like certain results regardless of whether or not you've got a chalice and a cup and a bunch of candles you can get results by doing x y and z and the alarming thing about chaos magic is often fucking times that bears out is you do you're like you sit down with your i mean we've got i've got a pretty cool little occult section going on up on my bookshelf and you sit down with like the greater or lesser keys of solomon the king or Liber null and you pull out a ritual and you structure it together and you're like all right if I do these things, they're, they're claiming that X is going to happen. And that seems kind of like bullshit to me. So let's find out. It's 2020. I'm not going anywhere. You do like you do. OK, I'm going to sit down. I do this. I'm OK. Now I'm going to meditate until I experience this moment of no, like gnosis or head click. And then, OK, so I've si- I've worked on my sigil. I'm going to cast this sigil. And then 
three days, three weeks, whatever, and then oh, the that effect happened. Or even more profoundly, like invocations. That shit is alarming. Because you sit down and you're like, okay, you're telling me if I do if I do these three if I do these things for like half an hour or forty minutes, I'm gonna have result X I call bullshit, and then you do it and it happens and you're like, This is fucked. <laughs> and there's no real good way to dis- to describe the feeling to other people. You're like, you just here, read this book, do some of the stuff. I know it sounds wacky as shit, but I'm telling you, do it for a while. And it'll it could fuck you up, man. I don't know. dive into the car smashing down the alley because this is one of those weird moments in this movie where let's call them the archons because i think that's yeah. that's what they are or his demons jacob's demons that's the, that's what they're referred to as here so i think we yes. do, jacob's demons yeah he's in his demons until he's ready to right to uh, uh, until they have well he only kind of becomes ready to let go after they have like taken everything shattered him yeah broken him down to nothing and if you think about it, like that's kind of there. They do it in like this really traumatic way, and then Danny Aiello like puts him back together again, and then they break him down, and he puts him together, and they break him down, and then he puts him together. And by the end of the movie, I was left wondering if Danny Aiello is of their number. Oh, he most assuredly is. Like this is the process. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to break you almost to the point. Because how of breaking. fucked is that to like keep fixing him to go back and get broken again? That's pretty fucked really but it's but I, it, you can see it's the guardian angel thing too because if you're just broken and then you're left in your bed staring at mm-hmm. the roof of the hospital or the roof of the helicopter as you bleed all over yourself you know like if you're left alone then you don't progress right and the thing about danny il you're right he he fixes him only to like push him back out into the meat grinder again mm-hmm. it's like it's like at the you know he's like a boxer dude jacob's like this boxer he's like he's his eyes cut, are he's the cut man he is the cut man yeah. he's and, and it's because danny aiello i think he even tries to tell him he's like i know this is so scary for you and this is you are in such pain but your pain is a matter of perspective you need this this is what's gonna set you free so let me fix you so they can hurt you more because that's what it's gonna cost mm-hmm. to because the only way out is through and that's the way through so let me push you back together boy and it's it's outstanding it's outstanding um i love the sort of like random interjection of the demons because a lot of this movie's like slow burn slow burn horror yeah they choose to come at the most they almost seem random times it's like never when anything is of significance has happened Right, like he'll just be walking down an alley, and check the mail, going for smokes, like whatever, <laughs> and suddenly there's a a Ford POS barreling down on him. Yes, like, like smashing back and forth down like alley wall to alley wall, yeah. and he barely gets into a doorway in time to like not die, and he sees like the shaking Slenderman oh face in the back seat. That's and, what it is. It reminds me of Slendy, bro. Yeah, it's the mm. it's just googly it's, it's the thin man googly thing. head t- ticks, you know, and you're like blah, 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 and it's. It's That's what I'm finding in XCOM right now, or the thin, the thin men aliens. Anyway, 
<laughs> I was like, I was like, if you're- there's going to be a lot of video and t- tabletop board game cross chatter on this show for the foreseeable, for the foreseeable future. future. I mean, when that's what your head's steeped in, you'll be telling me about board games and video games, and I'll be like, Carl, the walls of reality are crumbling around me, and you'll be like, and listener, today we talked about <laughs> <laughs> Space Jam. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, it's a false world created by a malignant god. <laughs> Boom, shakalaka. <laughs> The monsters are archons. Oh my god! <laughs> because if they lose, then they're going to like destroy this animated planet. And Danny DeVito. And the only one who can save them is Danny DeVito, <laughs> who's the apostle. He's an analog for the apostle Paul to Michael Jordan's Christ. <laughs> and where does Bill Murray fit in? You see the Danny Aiello. He's the or he's, he's the an, architect. He, he's an. I mean, like I'd call him an Aiello. He's an angel in my heart. I Bill fucking Murray. <laughs> the um, okay. Here's the. I still don't know how we got to Ian Holm. Nor do I. I've been trying to like. There must have been something. Yeah. Right? It's like one of those actors who pops up. Maybe I don't know, dude. Listener, you listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So the, let's let's talk about yeah. Let's talk about the uh, like. We gotta the, get through it. Yes, we do. So some some of the intrusions of the strange. They're all terrifying, and it's it is the randomness of like suddenly I like, like referring to that as the strange capital T capital S. Yeah, it will. It's one of my favorite elements of. This is that thing. Like Bird Bird made a joke one time that I think kind of like perfectly describes like part of my mentality. I would we'd be sitting around like the camp. We were sitting around the campfire, and I was think I was talking about Channel Zero or Hannibal, and I was like, oh my god, so good. My favorite. You got to do it this way. Smoke a bunch of weed, and immediately Bird's like. Don't smoke weed and watch this. I don't know why Max is like this. I don't know if he's trying to like just break his brain or whatever. But like truly, one of my favorite feelings, and one of the one of the things that I stick kind of stick with the occult for is the feeling of high strangeness. When things start going so weird on you that you like can barely deal. With the amount of, of synchronicities that's like soaking in on you or the, the the sudden effectiveness of ritual like these these things that parade through your life that seem so far left of center that you're not sure if you saw them or not today bird and I saw a police what we thought was a cop car it's actually kind of cool do you remember what it was Vorcha so bird and I saw a cop uh, what looks like a cop car drive by and I like turn to look at it as it goes by and you know you see it you'd expect to see like tribal police right. or like TCLP sheriff or, or sheriff and it says Vorcha on it V-O-R apostrophe C-H-A and rolls on by and I looked forward and I was driving again and because it, it's that is not anything I've ever seen on a cop car that's not a local town and I'm like the fuck is what the fuck was that? We drive, we drive by this police car, and Bird's like, yeah, huh, it said Vorcha on the side. And I'm like, that is weird. That Now, if this hadn't had an explanation, that would be an example of high strangeness. However, the Vorcha is a medium-class Klingon cruiser. That's someone Someone yeah. had repurposed an old cop car into a... Vorcha. And it's like a defense ship, too. It's yeah. like part of their like defense force military, so it's a cop car, essentially. It's some, someone made the Vorcha as a... That's incredible. I was so... Nerds, you want to like hug them all. Remember earlier, I now I've lost the woman's name, but I said it several times in episode one, I think, or maybe it's somewhere in here. I said she's a really great actor, and there's a moment. And it's the one who plays the cranky nurse, right? It's like her name's like I think Samantha yeah. or Martha. It's like one of those two. When she is like, well, we don't have. I, it, there's no doctor of that name here, and Jacob's like, I need to go and see this stuff. Would you just check your files, right? Here's this bit of hand acting, dude. 
when she goes looking for Jake's file, she pulls the file out, right? And she flip, flips through the files, flips through the files. She pulls one, pulls a file out, and she's like, oh, here it And she sees that it's wrong, right? And she goes to put it back in the file. or So she sees it's wrong, double checks it, goes to put it back in the file, thinks better of it, pulls it out, and tosses it on the desk, and then finishes the last little bit and closes it. And Bird and I talked about this the first time that I watched this. I called Bird over to watch this moment. Because this is an incidental bit of acting that has nothing to do with anything that's happening mm-hmm. right now. This is just business. Open, Dude, it's so beautiful when you see it. Because you're, it's, it's this woman having... She's only in the movie for two minutes. Maybe, yeah. And she's going to do this. She's got this moment planned out and she sells it. It's completely natural. It's glorious to watch. It's one of those things that you only really see if you're in like an actor. Right, and you're... Yeah, it's, you're looking. It's, it's like drawer out, flip, 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 flip. Oh, here it is. No, wait. No, that's not it. Let me put it back. Oh, you know what, though? I'll file that later. Yeah. Boom. It's just <laughs> fucking awesome. And then she goes through the rest of the drawer and it's not in there. And then that's when Danny gets kind of loud and he bangs on the counter, right? Because Danny's been seeing, for listeners who didn't watch this movie, why? Are you. Right. S- Number one, why? Why? Um,. So like so, Danny's been seeing these like weird demon faces and like like weird tails like coming out from under people's skirts and stuff. So he goes down to the VA, uh, or the yeah. So he goes down yep. to the, the the. He's been seeing a, a shrink on the reg. Yeah, I can't remember the yeah. guy's name. Like Doctor Chilton, we'll call him. <laughs> Doctor Happy, I don't ha- know. Happy Doc Happy, um, Mister Archon. But uh, he goes down to see this doctor, and they're like, "This guy, what are you talking about? We've never heard of him. We've never heard of this doctor before." And this is where. Now, we mentioned Philip K. Dick a million times in our primer to Gnosticism at the beginning of this episode, but this is where it starts to feel like Philip K. Dick to me. You go down to your job. It's like the, uh, the book, Do Androids Dream of Electric mm-hmm. Sheep? When you go, you try to fly your, your cruiser back to your police station and it's not a police station, or you fly to the station and it's a fake station designed just to like catch replicants. So... You wake up and your life is not what you think your life was. So you're like, no, no, no. I've been coming here for years to see this doctor. But remember, none of his life has happened. It's all false memories. Exactly. So he's like, but then what does that mean? Because even in this simulated reality that's ostensibly generated from his own dying mind... There's a lie within the in the lie yeah, there. there's a discrepancy yeah. between his false memories. But then it fixes memory. it. Yes, it does course correct because it absolutely course corrects. Because he fucking runs down. Well, the woman falls forward in her because she goes down to pick up some stuff that he knocked off the counter, and her hat falls off, and she's got like this little like cancer tumor horn. It's weird, dude. It's really upsetting, man. Yep. It's really not that fun to look at. And you're like, okay, David Cronenberg popped in Very for a hot second, so. and he um he runs down the hall and breaks open the door to the doctor's. What room. was supposed to be his office. Supposed to be that, that doctor's office, and he breaks it through, and he sees group therapy. He sees a room full of Gnostics trying to break out. Um, but he opens it up, and that, that guy comes out in the hall, and he's like, oh, yeah, Dr. Uh, Doctor Happy, he died. Yeah, course correcting. Yeah, it. that's like, this is like, um, wait, I thought there was a coffee shop here. Turn back, and then you look again, and the coffee shop's there, and you're like, oh, oh I guess I must have just imagined weird. that brick wall. Fixed a glitch. Yeah. Ran a quick patch. You went past Diagon Alley too fast. You had to back up and 
the the game didn't have enough time to render the next scene because you got there too fast. It's like that kind yeah. of thing. But then it's like skipped a loading uh, screen somehow and but, you clipped into the next chapter. Yes. To, but then the AI revs up and it finds a plausible explanation for what you're seeing. It's really unnerving, man. It's like really. <laughs> that to me was one of the most disturbing parts of the whole flick because the person, the administrator that runs that office has never heard of this doctor, has never seen yeah. Jake before, yeah. ever. That She's woman like, has been here for 45 years this and is knows a, everyone. And this new young doctor knows oh, yeah, the guy. yeah, I know. That fucked me hard, dude. I'm like, yes. <gasps> no, that's mm-mm, that's not good. Wait, wait, why does that? Oh, yeah, I, I wrote it down. It's, it's Carlson, Dr. Carlson. Yeah. Dr. Carlson. And here's the other cool thing is why is Jacob here? Jacob's here to talk about... This car that tried to run him down. He's finally seeing too much stuff. He's got to go and see the shrink. But really, what he needs to do is go and see the chiropractor. By the way, how many people in this movie die in cars? All of them that we see post-Vietnam, I think, is a car death. Why does his mind make him do that? Well, that's how his son died. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Fucking vehicle manslaughter. You gotta just watch the movie. Because every time someone dies in a car or a car tries to hit him or something almost hits him or runs him over and it's always a vehicle or it's a train. Yep, it's something in motion. It's a it's a conveyance. It's every time that happens, it reminds him of the time that his son died. His this is his mind. He's torturing himself. He's tormenting himself. Oh my god, and you haven't watched Westworld, have you? The original or the TV show? The TV show. No, I watched the yeah. original movie. It's his hook. It's his like thing. It's that. It's the key part of his backstory. Is the the death of is the, the, his son and the death of his son? Oh God, dude, he goes in to talk to Doctor Carlson about this car trying to run him down, and what the guy says to him, he says, "Doctor Carlson died. It was a car accident." What? What? You mean? Other people are getting died on cars. Um, <laughs> other people are getting died on cars. And I thought it was I, the other thing. I thought was really interesting is when they cut back to him reacting to it was a car accident. The on the wall behind him is one one nine, which is nine one one reversed. Mm-hmm. There's these little and this that type of shit. This is a watch two three times because that type of thing mirror images tiny subliminal stuff that's in the background little symbols alarm bells that are like silent but present all through this movie i love that one a lot of answers in plain sight and i love it yeah oh my god i i i totally uh i i wrote down um 119 on the wall behind him 911 reversed see what i mean parentheses i burned a burrito shell to write this note Oh, that's perfect. Um, he goes to a party with Jezebel, and this is pretty cool. This whole sequence is nuts because it starts with the palm reading. Yep, the that's pa- right. Oh, I can't. This this scene gave me anxiety too, but for completely other reasons. I don't like groups of people, and I don't like groups of people in small spaces. I wonder what that's a about. A house part. Well, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> but no, like it's this gave me anxiety anyways i'm not a huge house party fan in general my whole life i'm with you not my scene but the palm reading it starts there becoming very this is where the script is so good man because the the turn Mm -hmm. the turn in the palm reading because it starts kind of funny it's a it's it starts as like the breath of fresh air after all this horror that we've been putting my god dr carlson died in a car accident everything's all fucked up okay we get some levity Okay. okay here we go it's a palm reading nice and light and then there's this moment where he's like, 
she says you got strange lines and he goes because they've been having fun and she goes but and she keeps smiling the whole time love this performance she goes uh no it's not funny according to this line you're already dead get out of here and he looks at her and like stops laughing but she keeps smiling and she goes get out of here but give me those pretty blue eyes before you go and you're like the way that she says that yeah this is an ari aster-esque turn this is a jordan peele fuck you up moment this is like this is one of those this is one of those rare moments in movies where they can they actually pull the first time you see it they pull it all the way off where you think something really funny is happening and you're totally safe and then all of a sudden you realize that all of the teddy bears have teeth made of broken glass mm-hmm. and you're like oh no i don't want to be in this room everything anymore. is dangerous all of us like you it it's like the it's like you call like you got a phone call and it's someone you've been waiting to talk to for like ages and the like the third they tell you two pieces of good news and the third thing they tell you is like oh yeah and my family got murdered yesterday and you're like not ready for it or it's It's like me having a fantastic phone conversation for like 10 15 minutes my grandfather and then realizing and remembering he's been dead for seven it's that yes dude it's like really yeah (laughs) it's the nightmare it's the moment where you think you're when you're in when you're asleep and your your dream is awesome but then you realize mid-dream that it's actually a nightmare yep fuck dude i i love that oh it hurt my arms well and then he goes he's like all right i need a drink yep pops the fridge there's a fucking skinned goat head in a paper in a plastic bag they're having a very weird party but it's new york (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i mean you can make like Anthony Bourdain famously said that uh, like blowtorched goat face tacos mm-hmm. were like one of the best things. You just you torch the meat with a blowtorch on the flayed yeah. face of a goat, and then you cut it off with a knife and put it on tacos. That sounds delicious to me. But man, when it's right next to my Stella Artois, I'm like, what eh. are you doing? Oh, there's no Not Stella, that I drink Artois Stella Artois in that fridge. No. It's just but there's butt heavies in there. And I thought it was Heineken. It. It's like a green bottle. Oh, St. Pauli girl in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling rock. Um, knock the rock, babe. Oh. Don't you fucking knock the rock. You like it because you can drink 23 of them before you feel I like it because that was what bud? was on draft at Little Phil's Pub then I won't. in Baltimore. Buck 25 I'll a pull. I'll say no more about it. And they're generous pulls, baby. 16-ounce pulls. Mm, delicious. Dude, I got a, like a $5 pitcher of PBR. Always kind of half flat, but like... So good. That is Rolling Rock. No, it's the two, it's, two uh, Rolling Rock fresh out of a bottle or can is like half carbonated. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. At its best, it's mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> but you can greet, you can drink forty seven of Damn them. Damn, Skippy, and drive to go get more after. No, it's without problem. If you need to drink all night but still drive yourself home, Rolling Rock. And your kids <laughs> and your kids, yeah. And the kids are gonna the kids Measuring are Measuring flicks is not endorsed drinking and driving. Thank you, Carl. Satire. Yeah. Satire. And also rolling rock. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon, baby. The only beer of measuring flicks. So here is the only way that I could describe he basically like there's strobe lights happening and here's the other thing the movie explains what he sees. There's mm-hmm. strobe lights, he had a fit. They even Jezebel even tells him he had a fit. But could it also be a moment of gnosis where he sees reality as it is and at this party? And he can't quite this handle is, it. Yeah. Here, and here's what he sees. Flayed goat head snapping behind plastic while American Horror Story leather daddies lose their minds 
amidst a Lovecraftian tentacle porn impalement fucking and a groovy dance soundtrack over it all. Yeah. Dude. Is it immediately after this that he has the fever? Yes. It is. That's the next thing that happens. When Jezebel's like, she tries to dance with him and he dances like I dance at the party when yeah. he's like, I'm gonna just, can I die? Without yeah, I just like, I would be happier with glass in my rectum than yeah, like, like doing wow, this right now. Yeah, like, wow, okay, now I'm gonna get my groove thing, yeah. get my groove, I've gotta I go hate, away I now. Me too. Uh, I, hey, I'm a, I have food poisoning. Bye! Yeah. You know, like, anything. <laughs> yeah. But, um... When, the, like he's watching her like grinding on this guy, and you're like, "Wow, Jezebel's being hot. she's being kind of a kind of a Jezebel yeah. over there. She's really uh-huh. she's getting after it." And then like there's this thing like going between her legs, and you're like, "Is that that guy's hand? That guy's hand is a tentacle. What in the fuck am I looking at?" And you like his Tim Robbins. You get the sense that the director was like. All right, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna make Adrian Lynn a French person because that's how I, he sounds yeah. in my head. All right, you're seeing a fucking tentacle. The tentacle is going up your pee hole. And like Tim Robbins is like, I'm fucking freaking out. He's like, you're freaking out, man. He's like, I am freaking out. You know, like, and it's a good performance. But like, what was he looking at to react to? Yeah, what words were being said? What images were being shown? (laughs) You know, it's like, it's a, you know, it's a tennis ball on a stick. He's like, all right, this is her. He's fucking her with a bull's face. Now this is the tentacle coming. This is the butt tentacle coming out her mouth. It comes out her mouth. How fuck is that in my right it's like you know like tim robbins like batting this tennis ball over <laughs> like, his head. Not, you're, like hey you're actually hitting me mr lynn i yeah i'm freaking out i I'm get pretty it sure it's in frame more intensity faster <laughs> more intensity <laughs> come on he's fucking her like all through her whole body and like her brain or something's coming i don't know if we have the effect budget for that but it's wild shit man you're looking freaked out <laughs> Sorry, Adrian Lynn. You're a genius. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to any disrespect, man. Seriously. Just the, the, the thought of Adrian Lynn having like a, a stick with a tennis ball just kind of bouncing off of Tim just Robbins' like, boop, face. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Tim Robbins is trying to look Jesus. Free. You know, if that's bouncing off my head, it's in frame. Yeah, like, is, is it? Is that how close it is? Is there a tentacle? No, I want it for you to know. You exactly. are being cucked by a Cthulhu man. He's slapping you with his dick through her butt, out her mouth, into your eyes, man. You're so freaking out. And he's like, <laughs> I don't even understand <laughs> what the vision is for this film anymore. I'm just going to pass out. How about I just do pass out? Would what if I had okay? a fit? I like that, man, but it fits right in her butt and out her mouth. And he's like, you are like fixated. I, I've seen the dailies and like the effect looks great, Mr. Yeah. Lin, but... You seem to have like a really. How long is this scene? It's gonna be one third of the movie <laughs> right. where she's just getting fucked, man. All right, Adrian Lin. Wait a minute. We flash back to Vietnam. What's all this on the crafts table? Is this cocaine? Oh, son of a bitch. James Cameron, get the way from right, my we're, cocaine. We are Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're gonna take three weeks. Uh, Mr. Lin's gotta dry out a bit, and yeah. uh, we're gonna come back and explore the original vision of. <laughs> it was a pretty tight script. And then it turned into a lot of uh, fishermen. What's hey, it? And you want to go on a, on a submarine voyage? Yeah. With me? <laughs> James Cameron, get out of here. We got a movie to make, baby. All right. Well, I'll be at the bottom of the sea, hiding my goddamn mind. It's kind of funny. I like to go down to get up. <laughs> well, there goes James Cameron, cinematic legend. Here's to you, buddy. My one of my favorite lines. It, so he's laying in bed, like, but he doesn't seem that sick. Just like it's because he's almost dying. His fever is like, so bad. He is dying. Yeah, and he they, is dying. Though, he yeah. is dying. Like, yeah. God, this movie just fucks you. Because how do you say that? You're like, well, he doesn't seem that. He's dying. But he he's lo- actually, because he's really dying. He's though. dying. Doesn't look like he's dying, but also is dying in that world, too. He's dying. 
in both he's worlds. dying in both worlds and I feel like the fever is a fever because he's getting to that point in the real world where his body is I think shutting they even down. talk they about do. it when they when he he has like a flash in between collapsing at the he's party getting and cold waking or up. getting hot or something something like, yeah. like that like this guy's burning up or whatever and yeah. then he boop blinks back open on the bed and she's like you had some kind of fit I've never been so embarrassed in my whole life and be like wow you just got spit roasted from one end right. so that's pretty fucking wild like yeah. yeah honestly you shouldn't be embarrassed you should be proud that was crazy you're still alive you had a tentacle go through th- <laughs> like, your whole body was crazy Lynn in the background hell yes I told you it was gonna be <laughs> fucking amazing you wrecked the take again Adrian <laughs> um but I love They're fresh bananas Bananas and blow. I love the line that she has here, where she says, "If you're going, if you're going crazy, because Jezebel has kind of a French yeah, accent, that might does. be why I do it. But if you're going crazy, if, uh, if you're going crazy, Jacob, you're going crazy alone. Mm-hmm. Which he is. Yep. Oh god damn, dude. That fucking ice bath scene. Because you find out that the she takes his temperature and she goes, "Oh my god!" And she calls the doctor and she says the mercury went it's all the way to the obscene, top. Right? It's like a hundred, like hundred and seven yeah. or something. Like it, he's dead. Yeah. If you maintain this temperature for any more than an hour, you are going to be Minutes. functionally dead. Yeah. Like brain damage. Like yeah. already he might have brain damage because yeah. when he comes out of it, they say like they don't think there was any brain damage. Fuck. So this scene is in the trailer, and this is something I want to talk about real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is my history with this movie. So this was a trailer that played before a VHS copy of either Flatliners or The Lost Boys, some tape that my sister and I bought. And it was always... A, so we as many times as we watched that movie growing up, which is a lot, we saw the trailer for Jacob's Ladder. Right. So it's always been one of those, like, sooner or later, I'm going to fucking watch Jacob's Ladder. This, for the show, was the first time I've seen Jacob's Ladder. Dude, me too. Right? <laughs> But it was that scene is in the trailer that we watched yeah, yeah. on that VHS tape. And it has stuck with me my entire life. Even from the trailer, the image of him being lowered into that tub and put, having ice poured over him and screaming in pain. And the, his face is vacant of any thought. He's just suffering. Oh, it's fucking terrifying, dude. It's one of the most wild scenes I've ever seen in any movie. And to see it in context yes. now, yes, in the like near the end third of this movie is worse than anything that I had imagined as a kid what this movie could have been, but also better because it wasn't horror. Well, I was terrified of this movie well, to watch it. I mean, in a weird way though, like you should be if yeah. you if you if you know the right things before you see this movie. Right. This movie is unbelievably traumatizing. <laughs> If you don't know those things, this movie is still traumatizing, but it just doesn't like fuck with your sense of reality quite as much as it otherwise does. Like if you've seen The Matrix before you see this and you learned anything from The Matrix, this movie is like a whole other thing. Yeah. But one of my favorite things, you're right. This is the back third of this flick. We got a third of this movie left. And right now here, he's going to when they throw him in the tub and he's oh. Oh, you're killing me we, you're killing me we get our third reality and he when he opens his eyes and you think this is a flashback initially this is the beauty of the structure of this movie is it throws so many flashes around that you instinctively you've seen movies this before. must be eight years ago ah here's a flashback because we know he's divorced yep and here he is with the wife that we've seen is his divorce oh, all three kids two kids two kids whatever 
I don't know why the that third is it a little like little Carl I'm pattering get, no, down the hall. No, it's a bit Berenstein Berenstein Bears going on. I think. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, hey, there's been lots of lots of synchronicities abounding. Universe shift, baby. Universe tends towards entropy. Kral, isn't that your name? Mm. Is your, I'm misremembering your name now. Didn't you used to be Kral? Now see how fucked would that be? It's cartons. Because what if like now we were we did the podcast, but your name was different, and we didn't. No, know. it's always been Roger. See, that's weird. It's weird that you say that because that was the name of my childhood imaginary friend. Mine was Mr. Blue Man. That's yeah. You've told me about Mr. Blue Man before. But he wasn't so much a friend, more of a tormentor. Yeah, an archon, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah, or a personal. Your eyes went real spooky just there. Um, yeah, they did. <laughs> so I love the. Uh, here's what I love. He opens his eyes and he goes, "Oh, I'm freezing." Because he's in, oh, the window's open. The, wind, the window. The window's open. So he's here. He is uh, in his what? Third, third reality. Third. Yep. Open consistent his, reality. At yeah. least. Open. I know. I'm trying to kill this I little know, fruit fly too. Fucker's been. But he opens. He opens his eyes and his, he, he's laying there, and you're like, oh, a flashback. As he's dying, mm-hmm. you know, in the, maybe the real reality in this ice bath with his bad fever, he's remembering what it was like to be married. Oh man. Oh. Oh, I just dream. had the weirdest dream. Fuck me up, dude. And his wife's like, oh, he's like, I was living with another woman. And he that's, says he names her. I had a, I had a dream that I was dating Jezebel. No, he goes, he goes. I had a dream I was living with another right. woman, and she goes, even on your dreams, you're cheating on me. And he's like, you'll never, never believe who it was. I don't want to know. It's Jezzy from the store. Jezebel. Yeah. And she's like, she opens her eyes. And then, you know, he's like, oh, God, it was such a nightmare. Right. She's the worst. She's the worst. And he was like, she's really good in bed. <laughs> I thought you said it was they a like nightmare. They playful, like, there's banter. This, yeah. There's this repartee. And he goes, it was. It was a horrible, horrible nightmare. And he starts, like, kissing on her and stuff. And then, and then Macaulay Culkin fucking walks in. And I wrote down, so wait, is it a dream? Is this a dream? Was that a dream? Is Vietnam a memory? Or present What's happening And I said this movie shouldn't work Nope Because it's all a dream Oh okay so it wasn't an hour 20 This happens 45 minutes Mm -hmm. in But that's about the halfway point So you're like deep into this flick And suddenly they're like Oh yeah everything you've seen by the way None of it was just real. when you're comfortable with the rules of how the flashbacks work. Right. So he's dying and it's he's in Vietnam. I think you got a handle on it. But he's in like now. this city. It's just when you get a handle on it, actually. As soon as you've got it, and you're like, oh, okay, and here's the I demons. Got it. Okay. And they're okay. tormenting him. Gotcha. And you and it almost you almost are relieved because you're like, Oh, thank God. Because now the nightmarish stuff makes sense because it was a nightmare right. and also Jacob's going to catch a break, and I feel for this guy. Mm-hmm. By this point, I feel for this guy because he's not Captain America. He's a normal dude, and oh, thank God. Thank God. Okay, well, I guess we'll put uh, I guess we'll put Macaulay Culkin to bed. No, I love you guys. And All right, let me go. It's not overly saturated with bullshit, I love you, I love you stuff. It's just a guy putting his kids to bed. Yeah. In the most natural way. Because... Not because like he he doesn't think like this is my fleeting time here. It's just a hey, you guys, come on, let me take you back. This is Grant Morrison's experience where he woke up in a hyperdimension, this hyperdimensional realm beyond ours, and it was the real world. So all of his life, he was just like his previous life on Earth as Grant Morrison. He's like, oh, oh, you let you let go of that as though it were a dream because Mm -hmm. this new place, it it's that thing when you wake up. 
from a dream. From a dream. You're usually... Now, Casey Shivey would argue with me on this because she has a horrible thing that happens where she can she has dreams that seem like reality and then she'll wake up and think it's reality and start her day and then wake up and think it's reality and start her day and then wake up. She has that happen to her. That's that's fucked. Super terrifying. But for most people, when you wake up, you're like, oh, that other thing felt really real yep. while it was happening. But now, now I am this sure is so much more real. This is reality. But you just imagine that. Yeah, man. Imagine that. Like where if you woke up and you're like, I had this fucked dream that I was like living this life with Jezebel. It's so crazy. Wow. You let it fall away and then you go put your kids to bed because you are assured that when you go to sleep, you'll wake up here. And he goes back to bed and he closes the door and then he opens his eyes and they zoom out a little bit. And he's in a tub. He's in a tub and there's ice melting around him. And what? the fuck is going and your heart breaks and you realize that everything is just that is one fucked. of the most powerful five minutes of film i've ever seen yep it goes into the tub it's its own story it's it's, it, it's beautiful yeah. it's unbelievably good yeah dude this this whole movie is a masterpiece and very worth watching but that scene alone is worth sitting two hours for there's mm-hmm. a movie called I think the movie's called Heaven's Gate. It's like this long, like three-hour, fifty-nine-minute western with like like natural mixed sounds. So the sound is really shitty. You can't hear what people are saying half the time. It's it's meant to be this like it was supposed to be this giant western masterpiece. But I watched it for college, and the first three hours are like boring as fuck. Nothing happens. You don't care about anybody. You're like, oh my god, I hate this. And it's so slow. It's so slow, Carl. But then, major spoilers if you don't want to sit through a four-hour movie for one jump scene that almost makes it worth watching. The very end, your hero, two heroes, your two heroes and the woman they love, like, walk out of a house. And suddenly, one of them gets blown away with a shotgun. Like, guts out his back, cloud of mist, he flies off his feet, and the bang of the gun is mixed in so fucking loud that you, like, shit your pants. It's such a startling, unexpected gruesome moment in an otherwise very slow movie that as a film fan i almost thought that that second of shotgun blast was worth the price of four hours boring admission because i'm like that really sold the randomness of violence in the west for me that's what violence in the west was your life is like these huge stretches of boring shit and then all of a sudden someone you love dies right because of a random act of violence it kind of resonates in 2021 this movie is not that because the whole movie is goddamn good. But if even if the rest of the movie sucked, I would watch it for this for five that, minute absolutely. sequence. It's unfucking believable. How good the it best, is! Uh, face acting, eye acting, whatever. We gotta we gotta give a nod to Tim Robbins. Yes, that face doesn't change, but it is it's it's showing us melancholy and and loss, loss, He's shattered. He's Just shattered. Fell. I got you. That's okay. You're tighten tighten you. down. There you go. A little bit. It's been so long. The yeah. mics aren't even tightened down anymore, listener. There's so much going on with just one expression. Oh and one, his his eyes slowly fill with tears. And I think it's one tear just, it doesn't fall down his face because he's laying down. It pools up until. In like it, the tear duct and then like yeah. goes over his nose yeah. or whatever. And his eyes are all bloodshot from like the screaming, you're killing me. You're a lucky guy, Jake. Says he says to the man in the tub of lukewarm fever water who's just lost everything he ever loved again. Again, this would be 
so horrible. This is, uh, there's this great fucking line like right after this, um, where uh, so he goes, he's he wait like kind of like after the tub thing, he kind of like opens his eyes on the bed and he's exhausted from his ordeal and Jezebel's walking around and she's like, you melted. 45 pounds of ice or whatever you know like doctor said if you'd gone another hour or whatever you would have holy shit it was really bad and then he kind of like looks around and he's like can't tell if it's real life and she's then it's almost as though she can sense his uncertainty because mm-hmm. she says you kept saying sarah closed the window you were talking to your kids even the dead one even the dead one without any compassion the dead one i Love. I mean, you don't like it to watch it, but I love the relationship between Jacob and Jezebel. Yeah, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's amazing. Like they they do try and like keep together. He tries to like stay together, even early on, like when he was saying Eli, and she's like, yeah, yeah, and you know he I had this he came by and he dropped off. That what's his name? And Tim Robbins is looking through the pictures, and he goes, Eli. And then he looks over at her, and he goes, Eli, Eli. And then looks back at the pictures. There's, like, these little moments of acting. Like, eye acting, Tim Robbins, mm-hmm. for sure. Hand acting, Tim Robbins, and and nurse lady, for fucking yeah. sure. But, like, these little... They, they hate each other. And then maybe that's hell. Yeah. You know? Like, maybe, maybe this is... This is hell. Is like being trapped in this relationship as you try to work through the baggage of your life with a partner who makes you miserable. And maybe getting caught there is this. Fuck, dude. I don't know, man. It's fucking wild. Um, <laughs> I said, yeah, bathroom, sitting in a bathroom, motionless, reading books on whiff trapped and demonology. This looks familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of... What do you think of the reintroduction of Pruitt Taylor Vince being like, I need to talk to you, man. They go to the bar and he's like, I've been, I've been kind of hunted. Cause this is, this is where this movie takes like an, another, a, a core, another turn, turn, a fourth yeah. turn. Cause we, for, for all we know, he's the only person that's experiencing this, but now we've learned that at least one other vet that was present that day, one, it, it tells us that it isn't a dream. It is, in fact, a flashback that he has had to a previous experience in Vietnam. And now this other war buddy is having the same things happen to him. Well, the first presently. time you watch it, you th- you think, this, this okay, that those are flashbacks because yeah. this guy lived through it too. Exactly. Here he is. And then the second time you watch through it, you're like, they're oh, in a they're, shared bardo space because they both die, air quotes, died, yeah. or they both are dying and clinging on. Right. But they all do come to the same spot, you know, exactly. and the same spot they come to is this kind of like gray, flat world where you just go about your daily life, you pay your taxes, sometimes you deal with mm-hmm. like unimaginable horror. The but- only thought, thing that I thought was unnecessary was the brief subplot of bringing in the rest of the platoon and trying to start a lawsuit and then the lawyer saying no because of whatever reason, like he was being harassed by the... Like that subplot well, is a lawyer, little weird. The lawyer says no because he says you guys were never in you the army. You were never in the army, right. So the that lawyer subplot kind of exists to get us to you were illegally experimented on right. by drugs. Like that's one of the stepping stones. I like the lawsuit for two reasons. One, that what's that actor's name again? 
Oh, Jason Alexander? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jason Alexander's performance as the lawyer is awesome. Yeah, it is. He's he's trying to eat a fucking sandwich or whatever. He's like, couldn't give a fuck about these guys. if you only know him from Seinfeld, Seinfeld, then you're not really getting the Jason Alexander treatment, you know? Or Shallow Hal. Oh, God. Is he in Pretty Woman, too? I have a vestigial tail. Yeah, he is. He's the guy who tries to, like, rape Julia Roberts, right? Jason Alexander is way better yeah. than you think he is if you've only seen Well, Seinfeld. that's why George Costanza works so well and is such a... He's the best character in Seinfeld, arguably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. because Jason Alexander is bringing some actual chops. He's got chops. Yeah. He's got talent. And as the lawyer in this, man, he's... He's like human grease in the oh, best so way. Fucking I fucking gross. love him. He's slimy as shit. Yeah. Um, before we get to Jason Alexander, that car bomb sequence is amazing. Mm-hmm. Reaches down to pick up the coin, turns the key, the electromagnetic yeah, the, the, key or the whatever. Goes, pulls the whoop, coin. Pulls the coin in. That, okay, now listen. I kind of... You said you didn't necessarily like the bringing back of all the characters, but after that car bomb explodes, I like that he's honest with him too. He's like, he was scared. He was saying that people were following him, and yeah. then he died. His car exploded. It just exploded, and he died. It was like a car bomb. He straight up tells him because these are his family. This is his platoon. Yeah. This is this is also this is a realistic war movie in that these are like lifelong bonds. These dudes are not strangers because of what they shared. Mm-hmm. They have an issue. They immediately go to one of their. They go to each other. Yeah. And. Ultimately, when they do band together, they just band together with him on the outside. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they they do all. That, you're right. The rest of the platoon, they do go. Uh, they they make another choice, and together he's threatening. Right. They're they're too. They don't have Danny Aiello to put them back together right. again. They don't have someone to help them. He's trying to be that, but they're too they're too afraid to let go. So they're gonna stay here. Yeah. Even though here is not a good place to be. Danny Aiello knows that this place can get a lot worse and it will but at the end of it I'm gonna push you through this Jacob we're gonna put you back together enough to get you through this I actually liked the reintroduction of all these characters because it was it felt to me like Jacob was in his subconscious mind recruiting ghosts and impressions of people that he admired and trusted and depended on right because they are all dead yeah yeah, yeah. And there's it, no one that survived that massacre. And if this is a shared Bardo state, then he's going to turn to the people that he's relied on all along to help him get through it or or they're finding him yeah, and making a choice. Or if this is a is a construct of his own mind, if this is the DMT dump and he's actually in the helicopter and this is all just him imagining and trying to work through his own death, which Enter the Void is literally about that. Exactly like, how do you that. process your own experience of dying? And try to figure out how to be reincarnated. And, yeah, exactly. Well, and we'll get into that. More in that very rhythmic. very soon. Mm. Um, but I kind of like so if you if you cast aside the metaphors that we've been using so far, uh, this is now remember the these notes are my first watch, so I didn't really kind of realize the extent to which reality was an important concept. I mean, I knew it was an important sure. one, but I was wondering if maybe. Um, he was recruiting these people to help manage or unravel his PTSD or trauma or mental illness, um, but but then you you you're stuck with at the end of the day you're stuck holding so many realities yeah. in your hands you're like I, I I'm not entirely sure how to parse this, and I I love that 
that you his journey through this place kind of reminded me of what dreams may come yeah thank you for i was i had that note as well like there's a lot of what dreams may come well it's like like people help arrives right but it's not always there because the brunt of the journey must be yours to to pass through this which i really liked um so that we find out Quote, you were all discharged on psychological grounds. This is Jason Alexander turning them down. You were all discharged on psychological grounds after some war games in Thailand. You were never even in Nam. This is excellent. The con- these continuous, tw- these constant twists. It literally feels like the script is being written as, as they they're go. shooting it. Yeah. it. It's like Red State, dude. You're going along and you're like, ah, here's my main character. Bang, he oh, gets shot dead. in the head. And you're like, what the fuck? Okay, here's my main character. Chop! They got their neck slit, and you're like, "Oh, here comes John Goodman. He must be the main character." Wait, he's not. It's this other person. Bang! They're dead. And now there's angels that might be like yeah. in play, and you're like, "What in the fuck is going on?" This movie feels like that to me in the best possible way. Um, I thought this movie ca- captured the Lovecraft feel of cosmic horror mm-hmm. really well because whatever's going on, he has no way to fight it. He is absolutely powerless the whole time. He kind of has to just ride. Mm-hmm. And that's what Danny Aiello keeps telling him. He's like, "Keep just keep going. Just don't you stop, buddy. You just keep. I'm, I'm Danny Aiello. That's, that's what. Is, wow. I'm Danny Aiello. Listen, we're gonna buy you pizza, <laughs> pizza and a Coca Cola. That'll put you right. <laughs> That'll put you right. You just do it. Do that. Just slice it to with the pepperoni. She'll be fine. So he gets Danny Aiello. Danny Aiello. I started Hudson Hawk with Bruce Willis. We sang side by side together, rode skateboards down a hallway. We still had Fucking love that movie. No joke. It's horrible. Love those actors. Horrible. And if you want to hear Danny Aiello and Bruce Willis sing side by side and dance while they're doing a jewel heist, I do. You need to fucking watch Hudson Hawk. We will. I recommend highly you watch me in Hudson Hawk with Bruce Willis. You sound like <laughs> you, there's this old um, fucking prairie I feel home like kid. I need a, I feel like I need a little like a there's this old episode of uh, Prairie Home Companion the guy noir bits yes. where they where he and uh, Pete go out on a, a lake and go fishing and uh, uh, God what's his name the guy who does for uh, Guy Noir. Mm. Guy Noir drinks some coffee made from water from the pond, and he gets like loon throat. It's called. oh my god! So his voice turns into like a loon call. So he goes, "Oh no, I can't be a private eye if I sound like this." <laughs> it's and you're, the Danny Aiello was turning into loon throat. I loved it. Um, yeah. I love, I love the so he jumps. He gets abducted. Mm-hmm. After after he hmm. finds out that the lawsuit's been dropped, he gets pulled into this car that's been pursuing him around, and these like go- government goons are like, "Yeah, you're looking into stuff that you shouldn't be looking into." You shouldn't be looking into that none. Yeah. You should have known better. Exactly. It's yeah. it's the it's the the goon squad. You they're, know? they're very tropey, but it's okay. And they need. They are the they're rather the men in black. These yeah. are the this is high strangeness. These they are the trope because. That's what they're required to be. We need them. We need these yeah. characters. So he like beats the shit out of some of them, jumps out of the car, breaks his back, most of the bones of his body, every part of his body, every single everything, and um, gets readjusted or, or gets like they. We need to take him down to X-ray. And this is this is I love this shit. 
they start wheeling him down. This is like some Kingdom Hospital shit right yeah, here, Yeah, because they're like, wheel him down the road, wheel him down the road, here we go, we're wheeling him down the hallway. Silent Hill is what it's more it, like, It dude. like starts turning into it, because they're yeah. like, all right, now we're going to go around the corner, and like... Rusty grates. Yeah, it's like, suddenly there's like... Storage facility and water there's everywhere. debris, it's like a dirt road, and yeah. there's like, like these weird, like... Like a, a like little person in a loincloth, like crawling backwards on top of a, like a kid. It's like a set out of br- the worst parts of Bronson. Mm-hmm. You're like, what the fuck? And then you're in a boiler room, and there's fire all around. And then they screw his head into like traction into like this. Tra- yeah. Like, th- and then they're pulling out big needles, and there's doctors with no eyes and no faces. And they're like, why do you think you're here? You're dead. They're literally telling him like you're dead. You're dead. This what do you is think hell. You're doing? Yeah. Why, yeah, like wh- this should all be alarming to you because you're in the afterlife. You're in hell. This is forever. You're dead. And he goes, "This is this is one of my favorite line deliveries ever. It gives me chills thinking about it." And he goes, "I'm not dead. Then what are you? I'm alive." And the the like there's a vehemence mm-hmm. to Tim Robbins is like, "I'm alive." It's almost like for that one line delivery, he caught the survival instinct of all life on earth everything that's alive that does not want to die every that's animal the utterance and yeah. he caught the flavor of it dude it's it's like shocking to see to hear his voice and like see his eyes as he says i'm alive like i will i am will not be dead like one of the next scenes is Danny Aiello telling him that that glorious moment is what's trapped is in is why him. you're here yeah <laughs> oh, dude it's oh fucking, my god I just love how the doctor tosses that away. Like, oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, are you? Mm. Oh, no. Oh, no. He says, then what are you doing here? Oh, then what are you doing here? That's what it is. Why do you think you're here? I don't know. You're dead. I'm not dead. Then what are you? I'm alive. Then what are you doing here? The the like the the yeah. circular logic of it is just so amazing. He goes, I don't know. And then he's horrified. This. Oh, my God. And then he gets a needle in the forehead in his third eye. In his third eye. Yeah. And he wakes up, and now he's in traction back in Sarah land, where Sarah still loves him, but they're divorced. Yeah, because she brought the kids over. Oh, we heard with the kid. And he says, "I still." They're both there, I think. Oh yeah. And then he says, "I still love you." And you're like, "Wait, what? What's that? Wait a minute." I- but I thought this was like when Sarah was was good. There's maybe this- she. I mean, because she heard that he was really injured, so she's still gonna come check on him. Like, yeah, I don't know, like- yeah, dude. There, and there's this great moment in this scene when he like is laying there, and she goes, "I still love you." He looks up at her, and he's like, he's full of hope. You see the hope in his eyes, and then out of nowhere, dream on. Yep. There's no one that's no one says that. Nope. There is no voice to ascribe that to, and he turns and looks dead at the camera like we said it to him. Fuck, dude. Every part of me just shuddered. He's in a fucking... It's And it's like the second time you watch it, that's like an audience comment. Mm-hmm. Because we're thinking it. Yeah. Like, oh, dream, dream on. on. And dream literally, on. Literally, dream on. And literally, he's dreaming. He looks through the fourth wall of this false reality. He's I don't want to go to bed tonight. I know it's going to be a re- have weird. It's going to be like man. just a night of nightmares. Like, all night. I'm going to watch Pokemon <laughs> Indigo League before I go to bed. tonight. I'm going to be like, bird. Do you want to watch? Do you want to watch um, Iron Man or, or maybe like uh, watch Captain America, the first Avenger. If you want to go in chronological order, <laughs> do it in chronological order. Don't do it in release order. 
Are you, yeah, the hidden scenes will be out of order, but it's fine. Is this? Are you convincing me? Yeah, chronological order is the way to go, not release order. You think so? Oh, absolutely. All right, you've made a strong case. Be- I mean, I, I'm just not, saying I'm it not casually pres- on a podcast. I'm not presenting any evidence. <laughs> I know you've you've simply told me to do it this yeah. way, and I've accepted that as the way to do it now. Um, the present. Well, technically, you should start with Captain Marvel then. Okay. Wait, I thought Captain Marvel would be number two because that's like 1985, right? It's like the 80s. Oh, wait. Yeah, Captain America's World War II, like 44. And then Captain Marvel's the 80s. And You're then right. it's like Iron Man, right? You're right. And then from, from Iron Man forward, it's normal. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. The, the presentation of how Macaulay Culkin dies is, I wrote down breathtaking, Jacob's fa- because he starts remembering. He This is a, clearly a memory. Was it's there not- a fucked up car crash in Black Widow? Uh, there was a car crash in Black Widow. With like yeah. screaming kids and bloody parents. No, that's in Enter the Void. That's Enter the Void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I knew there was something that was like fucked up, <laughs> right where they're they're crying with each other. But oh my god, when we'll j- talk about that. S- we w- dude, next week is going to be like more free form conversation, but it's going to be a lot of like. And then the penis comes on your own face. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of that, dude. Gaspar knows. Then you see the penis from inside the vagina. <laughs> Which that listener, stay tuned. Yeah. For that. Yeah. Cause w- what the fuck? Yep. No more spoilers, Carl. We gotta save the. That is a rowdy movie. Um, the smash, the grinding, great editing. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, Macaulay Culkin dies. It's sad. Oh, sorry. Um, I didn't mean to pull it away from that. No, you're good. He's I dead. Thought that car crash because he gets hit by a car. He's not in a car accident. Which one? Oh, the Macaulay kid. Culkin. Yeah, yeah. Macaulay Culkin just gets tagged. Phone call. Chemical warfare in Saigon. Okay, yeah. Because the only real bit of exposition we get is the long bit of exposition, the monologue at the at end. At the end, yeah, right. where they're like. I By can, the one that administered it yeah, to him. Yeah, he's like, I'm the one who drugged you guys. And you're wondering, see, this is, is that. He the, right. Now, here's the thing, because like, okay, how does that, this is a plot thread, right? Now, is this a loose end? Because is that guy dead? Did that guy yeah. die and now he's waiting here? And his penance has to. Or did to... he hear what happened and kill himself and now he's found himself in this Bardo state and his penance to move on? Yeah, that's it's sort a, of what my read is. Or... It's just a construct anyway. Yeah. Is it all just this fabricated reality and this is one more? So what would keep him here? Explanations as to what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So that would be the work of Archons to keep him here. If there's a plausible explanation, then. My argument is that the Vietnam War out there as well, where he has been stabbed and is dying, is just another layer of that. It's just another, and what Danny Aiello is trying to get him to do, if there's three realities, and the surface reality that we're aware of is Vietnam, below that is life with Jezebel and all the weird strangeness, and the life below that is the one with Sarah where he's married first and then divorced, I think Danny Aiello is trying to rocket him up through all three, break through the Vietnam one, and achieve something above. So I'm wondering if, like, how much of the helpful things that we see in Layer 2 are there are there yeah how much of that is a construct designed to keep him like the rest of his platoon in this bardo state indefinitely because i like what you said like if if hearing the explanation and the evidence as to what happened to him and why he's there that would that would explain it to him and then would be more comfortable and okay that then i haven't 
I have a reason for why all this weird shit is happening to me. Well, the guy now I him, leave. Now I can live in this environment. Well, the guy tells him that this yeah. environment isn't real because he says you right, killed, you each, killed other. each other. So he so, tells him he's like, no, you are dead. We get God a damn it. We get a definite answer, but here's here. But that's the thing, though, is like, all right, you're dead, and here's the afterlife. Or is that just one more way to like hang on? Yeah. So you die there, and then you sink into like a deeper simulation that's even more fucked up but you accept it because you are like oh i'm dead this is what it is but danny aiello's like no 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 you're not quite there the only way out is through you're dead and you're here but you're what are you being tormented by the elements of your life right you let your life go and then you go back up and then you go back up as long as there's wine and scotch i'm gonna have a real hard time baby (laughs) because i know that this wine doesn't exist. Ignorance is but blessed. it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, the door. Dorman knows him. It's been ages. Doctor Singer. I mean, I don't even. By the end of this movie, you're so. It stacks so many like twists at the very end. It's kind of. It's unnavigable. It's too. It's too much. But in a good way. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a tidal wave of new information. Every second. Yeah. The yes. doorman knows him. He is a doctor. He has this beautiful suite. His his son is there, but he's... What, what it but is, now he's willing to give all that... Uh, it's right. Is, is this his reward? Is this right. paradise? Or is this the final honey trap to keep him right. here? And but, but Danny Aiello has helped him enough that he's able to let go of this. Is this the moment that he ascends? Mm-hmm. I, now, let's, let's try and parse the end. Because who the... How the fuck could you ever parse the end of Jacob's Ladder? Carl, because, let's give it a try. Because it also, he he meets his, he decides to let go. He's not going to have the suite. Right. And the doorman that knows him. He's right. not a doctor, which right. everyone called him doc. He never finished college, though. Sure. But now he's a doctor. Right. He makes a choice to let all of it go. Yes. And now the demons that once had um, pursued him are now the face of his son to welcome him to that going up the stairs finally to the right. next level. And what's the last image of the film? Vietnam. Vietnam. Where he's, he's dead, dead on a cot. He's dead on a cot in Vietnam at the Yeah, in like movie. a fucking mash tent or whatever. Like it's now that I won't get into why, but that particular last shot. I'll tell you that off mic because it's big, but that that was a profound synchronicity for me on a very personal level no shit yes the last shot of this movie you said the mash thing because that was immediately what i thought of too is it looks like it looks like a scene from mash Mm -hmm. because you know like if he's just sleeping or what but no like people died in mash too it's one of the things that made that show great is they did not shy away occasionally people died how bad war is yeah korea was not pretty no no it was not man we killed like like 40 percent of their country or something like that huge like it was a bad war there's a reason that north korea is as crazy as they are yeah like no shit we kind of maybe made them that way a little (laughs) bit with the little column a little column b but like we kind of if you beat someone hard enough they're gonna go buy a gun or go to the gym a bunch or go to the gym or buy a gun they don't really go to the gym a bunch because they don't even have electricity like like, how much how much for the big one that shoots a lot (laughs) precisely yeah I mean, it's not shooting well. No. But they're working on it. Yep. Anyway, but that last scene when I saw that, like, and here's the thing: when we were when I watched when I watched Jacob's Ladder, 
I watched Jacob's Ladder three days before I basically discovered and deep dove into the concept of Gnosticism. So I saw this movie pre all of that, the, all that stuff that I'd mm-hmm. learned, watched it again with all that in my head. And I realized that part of the reason that I gravitated towards, like, it, you know, um, starting to study and, and explore Gnosticism historically and philosophically was because that last moment, the mash tent moment, had stacked on top of all this other stack of synchronicities that you and I have been talking about for several weeks mm-hmm. that sort of culminated for me in a moment of gnosis or a moment of head click or magical headspace that that shifting of perspective which i've had several times throughout my life because i've been practicing yeah. the magic for years and years and years but not in recent years have i gone like super deep into it or like i did a couple of rituals in 2020 you and i did yep. one together but like this was a big head click moment the last moment of this movie and that's why re-examining it as a gnostic film seemed so fitting to me because i was like this movie's effect the totality of this film was to introduce this this like uh this beautifully uh engineered series of false realities that make you question even like reality with verisimilitude on a level of the one that you and i are looking at right now like the idea that you could wake up from wake up from this and be like what a fucking wild dream and then even though this all felt so real it would kind of just unravel like it yeah, does when like you, it does when you wake you up, wake up and you're like how could i possibly have thought that that was but real when you're dreaming you know? it it's the most real thing you're experiencing i mean especially like the year like 2020 where you're like what the fuck dude the days take forever but the months are like that it's you know like weird you're like so oh god like the day never ends and then you're like wait what do you mean it's june yeah wait what do you mean it's september what i thought it was like june yeah and then you're like what do you mean it's september it's october and you're like wait, no, no no we were just talking about how it's september and you're like merry christmas and you're like what it becomes alarming how like weird time became during 2020 right yeah so then you hit 2021 and there's some like weird freaky ideas that kind of talk about that sort of thing and you fall down a rabbit hole that's probably dangerous to your sanity, Carl. I love it. I do too. I'm not going any. I'm going deeper. That's the only place I'm headed, baby. There's only one way to go. You know. Through. Through. Oh, sorry. I was trying to do a through the floor. <laughs> Sink. Sink. Fuck, dude. That movie. Or Adventure Time. Or Lich. Adventure Time. Yes. Um. That's it. That's fucking Jacob's Ladder. That's as much as we are going to pour into your ears. Yeah, I've got to go home, watch cartoons. and I know. We need to build a little decompression time in. So, yeah. uh, No, I'm not sorry that that was a long one. There you go, listeners. That's what was needed for this movie. One, it deserved it. And we had a little primer episode for you. So, you knew what the fuck we're talking about. Absolutely. So, I knew what the fuck we're talking about. We're all got on the same page. And then we rode the book to 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 reality. I love it. So, listener, there you have it. Three and a half hours of crazy alternative philosophic thought you learned about Gnosticism. And you got one hell of a movie recommendation. Yeah. You should really have watched this movie if, if you I didn't. Had, if I had more than two <laughs> thumbs, they'd all be up. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the month... Two, two thumbs and a demon cock. That's what I'll give it. God. Yeah, yeah. Fisherman's Wife <laughs> 5 or whatever. The, the, they all read tentacle porn in Archer, and I think it's called Fisherman's oh Wife. Oh, my God. That, I, it's like, that's a one bummer thing is like, if you've got Archer in your head, some of this is funny. A because little bit funny. That's, that's the nice thing about Archer, too. So, yeah. Jacob's Ladder, 1990. Watch the shit. It's so good. So good. One of the best movies we watched this year. Watch this for Flatliners sure. as a double feature and blow your fucking mind. Blow your fucking mind. 
or watch this and the matrix and then the yes. next day watch a scanner darkly and uh um and total recall yep and then you'll just be a Gnostic at that point. Like you'll either be in a hospital heavily medicated or, or you'll be like, you know, on your way to awakening a, others on a mash cot. Oh God. I mean now. Okay. Really quick. What yeah. do you think is the very end of this? Do you think he's dead? Okay. What, what, what are we taking away from this? Does he go to Nirvana? Has he? Do we look at this in a Buddhist context? Do we look at this as literally heaven? Do we look at this as? I think that he did. He 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 was able to complete the journey. He does break out of. Okay. Yeah. Now, how are you looking at this? Are you looking at this as an afterlife scenario, a Bardo scenario, a Gnostic parable? I don't know. He goes to wherever wherever is. I don't know if. That means has heaven he or the es- next. Has he's he escaped, escaped the- from this sequence yes. of shit. Yes, I agree. with Absolutely, you. I agree with you. Which is why we get the scene in the tent. That's sort of a little bookend. That this is just a shell. This is an empty thing now. This thing you're seeing here on this right. cot dead doesn't matter anymore. Yes, I'm with you. Right. I, I don't think it's a sad ending. I don't either. It's a. Bl- it it. It feels it feels bleak. bleak. It the, does, especially the first time you watch it. Right. It feels it feels like, oh, hard. Bummer. But the but the second time, and especially the third time, when you get to that last frame, you're like, no, this is what Dan- Danielle was talking about. Yeah. Is this is just a phase or a moment in a much longer cycle? Mm-hmm. And while and all we've seen here is the shedding of the meat suit of the yep. time, suit. and that's all that's left, lifeless on a cot. Yes, in a tent in Vietnam. Yeah, and it, I know that sounds so fucked, and it is. It's horrible, but at the same time, you've this movie carries so much else with it that that last shot is, in a weird way, very satisfying it and is. almost in a way, it, it is the perfect resolution to this movie. It's a great movie. Because it actually gives it a clear ending where it isn't like a one of those mystery endings. It's not, it's a, not a spinning it's top. It's not a top yeah, spinning, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You can, you can sort of read into it however you want, True. I guess, but it, it's definitely very clear to me that that's his son is now not his son. It's an it's a demon that is now because he has decided to become let an angel. things become he was an angel. Tormented by the idea of his yeah. To dead some they're son. demons, to yeah. others they're angels. It's like you said. So it's your his, perspective, right? It's all perspective. So yeah, he has yeah. said, "No, none of this matters." Oh, my, I'll walk up the stairs, and now. The last thing you see is the the meat suit, the dead thing that doesn't matter anymore. Right. Dude. Yeah. Jacob's Ladder. Highly, highly recommend this movie. So if you want to be ready for next week, listener, and you are kind of a hardcore person. Either watch Under the Void or four hours of porn. Like one of those two things will prepare you for next week. (laughs) And choose your own adventure with the porn. I'm not going to point you one way or the other. Like whatever your bag is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever your vibe is. And or if, put it on, I mean, if you want to be daring, put it on shuffle. Who knows what you're going to see? Shuffle porn. Shuffle porn. Boy, you can have everything from to... to yeah. Um, it's going to sound like the Tour de France. God, I mean, Gaspar Noé, so it's fitting. So next week we will be talking about Gaspar Noé's Enter the Void. It's a hectic film. It was one of the... It's. There's a Do word. you enter the void or does the void enter you? There's a word. The There's a word that Carl and I used at the end of that film, and it is harrowing. Yeah. That is truly a harrowing film. So look, 
I have always been of the camp that if you want to watch, if someone comes over to my house and they're like, I want to watch Midsummer, I want to watch Hereditary, I want to watch. They, I want to watch Video Drum at 3 a.m. I want to watch Video Drum. If I'm, I am all for adults doing what they want to do. If someone comes and wants to watch a Serbian film and I'm feeling up to it, which is probably not the case, but if I'm feeling up to it, I will put that shit on for sure. Let's watch it. You want to watch it? Let's do it. If you want to watch, whatever, whatever. You can make your own choices, listener. But I will say, Video Drum is a fucked up movie, man. Well, Video Drum is, and so is Enter the Void. Enter the Void <laughs> is a fucked up movie, man. It's, it's like. It's easily as upsetting as like I, funny games. Well, to put it into perspective, for the last five years, I've started this movie, yeah, and only made it to like minute thirty-eight, and haven't been able to make it past minute thirty-eight, right? Until we had to sit down together to watch this for the show. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a big watch. It's a big old movie to watch, and it's long, and it's Gaspar Noé. And if yeah. you know Gat, if you that name is familiar, he directed Irreversible. And if you know that name of that movie, you know why you know the name of that movie. And this movie is kind of like that a little bit. A little bit. So look, choose your own adventure. We both watched it. I would gladly watch it again. I bought it. I will watch it again. It's a, but it's a lot of a movie, man. I think it's one that we'll watch in the background while we do something else and look at occasionally. Yeah, it's or get so baked that we can't look away. I, I think that's how we watch it next. Is like yeah, pretty high, okay. like high as fuck. <laughs> but like later, we need some time. To put into perspective, also for fans of the show that know the FZK family, yeah. Um, if you're unsure, this is on the shelf in our home of the DD Never Watch category. Yes, Danielle does not watch this movie ever. Ever, I would rather hire a clown for her birthday than sit her down to watch this. You know what's movie. sick is that would actually be kinder. Yep. You're totally right. You are yep. completely right. It's. You should watch it, listener. I've, both, I've come around on it. Now both, I'm like, maybe they should watch it. Both would end in divorce. But, <laughs> but there'd be less less acrimony. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm a, I've completely switched my mind. I changed my mind in the last 60 seconds. Listener, you should check it out. It's it's a masterpiece. Yeah. You can't say it's not. It's fucking so good, dude. It's there are things so that good. I've never seen or would I've, never see again in any film I've never... Here's a little spoiler. This was my my one. This is like my two sentence review after we stopped watching it, and I stand by it. Gaspar Noé shows me things that no other director ever shows me. It's true. Yeah. Like despite the fact that they are often horrible things that you never wanted to see in your whole life. Oh God! Right. Yeah. Don't say it. But mm-hmm, I, you no. and I are thinking yeah, of the exact same moment. Same thing. But like, <laughs> but man, you will see some stuff. And if you got the stomach for it, it is stuff worth seeing. So, listener, if you're feeling brave, you can always turn it off. Pull the parachute yeah. cord. Adam's family yeah. is great for that. It is. But I'll tell you right now, you should watch it. All right. Enter the void next week. The sell the week after or whatever we get to the episodes, which is should be soon. We've yeah. got them all planned out. We're doing three a fucking week all yeah. month. Back to the OG schedule, ladies Hell and gentlemen. Hell yeah. We're pumping hard to catch up. Once we're caught up, we're staying on schedule. That's right. Mostly because it's so fun to talk for almost four hours. Okay, goodbye, everyone. We love you so much. Um, stay tuned for Enter the Void. It's going to mess Get you up. Get yourself some cake. <laughs>